This podcast contains adult language and mature themes, which may not be suitable for all listeners. So listen at your own fucking risk. To Essential NPCs, the podcast where we sample some of the best and possibly some of the worst tabletop RPGs. I'm Tommy. And I'm Addie. And you're listening to Series 2, Episode 20, Ooh. Must Come Down. Dun, dun, dun. The finale! Yay! Uh, this is it. This is going to be the uh, end of Series 2. Um, we're not going to do words with the GM, uh, anything like that. We're just going to have a couple really quick announcements regarding the end of the series and the beginning of series three. Um, so to that end. Uh, so the very first thing is how it's going to go. There is not going to be a new episode next week, but there will be the bloops. Uh, bloops. So we've collected all of the um, little bits that hit the cutting room floor and we've picked out the funniest and... We will have them all ready for you to listen to next week. Yep, next Tuesday, blooper reel. And then the Tuesday after that, Series 3, Episode 1. I'm so excited. It's going to be a good one, guys. Um, And just one more little announcement before we get into the finale. Uh, You may have noticed when we posted uh, this episode, we also posted some new art for Series 2. Yay! Uh, Our artist-in-residence, Lillian Dermeyer. Ever talented, so, so great. Uh, she uh, put together an artistic rendering of the photograph of Whitmore's old team. Uh, if you didn't catch that, you can find it on our Facebook or our Instagram or our website. Uh, so go check that out. Uh, Lillian is amazingly talented and it's so cool. And especially Lariel, who's like just. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing. Blew me away. So you guys have to go check it out. I would say it's better than Kreflin and Welby. <laughs> Ooh, but Welby. Welby is so cute. But uh, yeah, that's all we have for you. Uh, starting off, we know you guys are really interested in uh, hearing how all of this wraps up. Uh, stick around after the actual play of this episode uh, because we will have post-game chatter going on. And that's where we... As a cast, talk about what happened during the campaign and then answer all of the questions that you guys sent in. So um, definitely stick around for that. There's some great player insight as well as a a good bit of GM insight as well. Uh, So without any further ado, let's move on forward to the finale. Series 2, Episode 20, Must Come Down. Enjoy. Last time we left our team, uh, they had ventured to the Zurich Orbital Station in space uh, to head off uh, the leader of Havoc 66, a physical adept named Hellion, or uh, his true name is Jason Black. As far as they could tell, Jason was trying to uh, sabotage Zurich Orbital in order to uh, make it a... In Bumble's words, a uh, very large guided missile, uh, sending it straight down uh, to Earth uh, on a collision course. Their presence was known 
shortly after entering the uh, station, uh, Hellion seemed to uh, be able to see them through the security cameras. Uh, he prepped some automated turrets uh, to ambush them on their way to the core. The turrets almost completely destroyed Bumble's uh, Neonet Juggernaut drone, but didn't quite pull it off. Uh, meanwhile, Mouse managed to uh, sneak up on Hellion in the Matrix and uh, presumably uh, bricked his deck by, uh, with a very uh, skillful data spike. As the team approached the core, they heard uh, ominous explosions, and when looking through the cameras, uh, thanks to Mouse's uh, tapping into the security feed, uh, it appeared that Hellion was uh, using more manual means to sabotage the core of this space station. They made it to the core, opened the door, and uh, there they were, face-to-face with Hellion for the first time, and... uh, Everyone roll initiative for me. <laughs> uh, Boomer, what did you get? 18. Uh, Mouse, what did you get? 24. Uh, Bumbles? 16. Cashmere? 17. All right. Uh, Hellion clenches his fists, kind of like hunches his head down a little bit, and he starts moving towards you guys. One step, two step, he reaches up into his jacket, pulls out two throwing knives, one in each hand, Mm. and throws at one at Mouse and one at Bumbles. Yeah. (laughs) Can I... One person here can fix this thing. (laughs) Can I jump in front of Bumbles? Uh, I mean, you can um, use a point of edge to protect the principal and uh, throw yourself in front of Bumbles. It'd be two separate tests, but one test would be to avoid your knife, and another test would be to get in the way of Bumbles being hit. Can I protect the principal and then dodge that knife? (laughs) (laughs) No. You have to take the knife. Uh, I'm sorry, Bumbles. I can't. I can. I'll protect the principal. All right. So you're going to step in front of uh, Bumbles. Uh, Take a minus five to your initiative and um, lose one edge, or use one edge. There is no test required. You simply get in the way and take a damage resist test. I should roll my dodge, right? Uh, yes, mouse roll your dodge. I'm rolling my dodge. Three. Okay, uh, roll your damage resist, mouse. Six. Okay. Uh, mouse, you take six stun damage. Uh, Boomer, what did you get? 10. Boomer, you take three stun damage. Uh, as both of the knives, uh, mouse, it kind of lodges itself like right at the corner of your uh, cybernetic arm and uh, your flesh. Um, but it, like your your armor manages to like slow it down enough that like it just kind of like scrapes in there and doesn't actually like draw any real blood. It's just kind of lodged in there. And uh, Boomer, uh, it hits you. Uh, in your uh, your thigh, but your your armored clothing manages to like kind of like just like catch it and hold it in place, and uh, you like you know feel the bruise, but you are okay. Well, that's not very nice. And then he goes, detener, mouse and ah, shit. <laughs> uh, mouse and 
Boomer, I need you both to roll an intuition and willpower. Now, while this isn't the casting of a spell that uh, Kashmir would be able to like directly deflect or something like that, his spell defense does still apply here. So, uh, Kashmir, you have seven dice to distribute between the two of these. I'll give five to Boomer and two to Mouse. <laughs> okay. I got five. Uh, Boomer, your intuition goes down by two. What? Uh, affecting your initiative, and did it hit zero? No. Okay. Mouse, what did you get? Um, one. All right. Um, Mouse, your intuition goes down by five. Okay. Does it hit zero? <laughs> yes. Okay, so your initiative is affected. Uh, and uh, so, Boomer, you get hit with this knife. It kind of, like, lodges itself in your, in, like, you know, your, your like, leg armor. And immediately you start to, like, your brain starts to fog up a little bit. Like, your, your thinking processes are a little, like, slower. You're like, what the the hell's going on? You're like, kind of shake it. Uh, you know, you're uh, like, your body feels detached. It's almost like you're, you're high, but not quite. Um, and then, uh, mouse, uh, you get hit. It like, it stuns, it hurts a bit. Um, and you kind of stumble back. Uh, and then you're like writing yourself up and you're like, okay, you're trying to assess the situation. You're getting ready to do what you're going to do. And then your thoughts start getting slower and, harder and then you just kind of phase out of it and uh Kashmir you were definitely aware that your spell defense was just used you noticed that like you know those knives definitely like just did something to your friends uh and uh Mouse you effectively become like brain dead and you are paralyzed cool uh so you are just kind of sitting there like arms limp at your side head kind of lulled to one side and you're like staring into nothingness. Cool. Uh, Mouse, it is your turn, and as you are paralyzed and brain dead, you hang out. <laughs> I hold my action. <laughs> oh, God, what happened to Mouse? Is she dead? Uh, Boomer, Whoa. you're up. Whoa, man. <laughs> you're not, it's not like that. It's more, it's more like you're having trouble thinking clearly. Uh, oh, think well, like, think like, think sleep deprivation, think uh, oh, like no. drunk or high oh, no. or whatever. It's not like it's not like the fun parts of being high. It is like the like clouded uh, inhibitions and judgment and uh, just altogether like thinking through things is very difficult right now. <sighs> what do you do? I uh, pull the knife out of my leg and throw it to the side. Clink, clink, so clink, that's clink. how we're gonna play, huh? I uh, throw my rifle to the side. <laughs> oh no. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go tackle him. All right, are you uh, going for a clinch? I'm not even going knife for a knife, just a tackle. <laughs> All right, so uh, Boomer, roll that uh, gymnastics test for me. Uh, you know what, fuck it. I'm gonna burn a point of edge to reroll. All right, well, five. Five hits. So uh, Boomer, uh, you start moving forward. You uh, pick up speed. You uh, see like a railing around the uh, core. You kind of jump up, kick off of that, like spinning uh, sideways as you do, so you can kind of like catch his head uh, flying backwards and pull him with you to kind of get him in a in like a clinch. And uh, as you do that, uh, he ducks down and leaps forward with insane speed, going underneath you. Your head, your hand doesn't quite grasp air as much as it like catches onto his helmet 
and uh, when you land, you think you have him, and you look down, and you realize you're holding his helmet. And uh, you look forward, and before you, now you guys have seen a photograph of Jason when he was about 16. Um, he's about twice as old now, uh, but like, he still like has like the same strong set jaw. Um, however, his hair seems to be gone for the most part. It's like wispy, like thin bits of hair left. Uh, his skin is pallid and gray. Um, there's all these grotesque, greenish, purplish veins just pulsing out of his skin on his face. Uh, his eyes are glowing a weird, like, yellowish green color. Um, not like glowing, but like they've like been like, it's like super jaundice. Uh, like his eyes are like insanely like just like fucked up and like his irises have gone uh, green. Um, like a, a, a very, very vibrant green that he didn't have in the, uh, in the photograph you saw before. Um, his lips are cracked and dry. Uh, for someone who is as physically capable as he is, you suddenly realize that he is, he is like a shell, like he's gaunt. He, like, he still has that jaw and it's more pronounced because like his skin is like super tight on like his face. Uh, and, uh, he turns and looks at you, uh, with like a snarl, Boomer. God, uh, I should not have fucked that spirit. <laughs> You're an ugly fraga, you know that? That means something coming from an Oni. <laughs> uh, Kashmir, it's your turn. Okay, well, um, uh, does Mouse's condition seem dispellable? Uh, yes, you can identify this as some sort of sustained spell that is affecting Mouse. Uh, you can just feel the mana, like, pulsing next to you that, like, is very prominent in an area that is so devoid of mana. You can just, like, feel the presence of magic. You don't even have to actually perceive to really do it. Right. I'm gonna, um, try to dispel okay. Mouse. Sure. Uh, you are working at a minus six. Well, that's full hits. Okay. Uh, you turn and you see Mouse very obviously affected by some sort of spell. Uh, you reach forward with the, the hand that has the beaded bracelet that is the counterspelling uh, focus, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and uh, you kind of uh, channel some magic. You, you struggle really hard to find like a wisp of like mana and you like try and strengthen it into your focus and you push forward uh, some uh, negation magic and it seems to have done a great deal to lessen the hold this thing has on Mouse, but she still appears brain dead and uh, affected by it fully for now. Okay. Um, but you feel like you, you made like a significant like strip away on the uh, strength of this spell. Great. I get behind the doorway. <laughs> Fair. Bumbles, you're up. Alright, so the Juggernaut's a bit behind us, but its gun can shoot a far away. It doesn't have any line of sight. Doesn't have no line of sight at all. No, no, no. It's like a winding hallway. You can hear it like way off in the distance. Shit. So he's still part of the swarm though, right? For you to operate with the swarm, you have to temporarily remove him from it. Okay. I guess I will do that. Okay. Um, and then he gets the full package. <laughs> all Be right. Careful. With your uh, name. The, uh, the noisquitos start blaring light and sound at him. Sure. The rotogones just circled above him just fire down. Okay. Uh, the Ares Alphas. Sure. And I smack down him. <laughs> so you're burning your only point of edge to get four net hits. Yes. Oh, does your um like little gun drone also? The gun drone also yeah. is just. Doof, 
<laughs> okay. Um, no, I permanently burn it. <gasps> he just made Mouse brain dead. He dodged Boomer. Cashmere's not going to run up and kill him. Fair. I need to make him dead. <laughs> so... You give Hellion the full package. Uh, you kick on the Noisquitos. They start blaring. This affects everyone. Uh, they're just loud. Like the you thought the sirens like on the on the uh, air the oh, space station were loud. Before I do, I'll reach into the toolkit at my side and pull out the welding goggles <laughs> because it's rather bright in here already. Yes, uh, and then. Uh, uh, the Noisquitos kick on these loud, just like ear-splitting, screeching uh, horns uh, that just like immediately like pierce everyone's ears uh, and at the same time just start like alternating strobe lights in like a very disorienting fashion as they circle around Hellion. Uh, Boomer, you kind of duck down and you're like, ah, crikey! And uh, <laughs> uh, uh, Hellion, uh, helmetless, you see his face like scrunch up and he like grabs his ears and he like looks up, sees those drones. He also sees the roto drones like starting to like swarm around him. And now since you uh, burnt a point of edge, permanently removing it from your character sheet, uh, you automatically are getting four net hits on his uh, attempted dodge against these uh, against this attack. So the uh, uh, the roto drones open fire. Uh, Hellion attempts to dodge, uh, but he's so disoriented he kind of just like bumps into Boomer, rolls over to the side, bumps against the uh, uh, the railing nearby the core, and then he like starts moving forward again to like try and like run for like any kind of cover that's not like Boomer or a railing. And in that moment of like disorientation, like stumbling around, uh, your drones had time to like lock in and just go and start shooting. Uh, they start tearing through. Uh, you see bullets passing through his armor and his uh, uh, like piercing his shoulder all from a downward angle, just driving bullets into him. Uh, he stumbles forward, falls over, rolls uh, onto his back, uh, gets shot a couple more times in the leg, uh, and then uh, is laying there bullet-ridden, but still conscious and breathing and shouting angrily at you. Now, is the... Fuck it, yeah. I pulled the knife out of, uh, out of Mouse's shoulder. Okay. And I huck it at him. <laughs> Roll throne weapons. Do I get any bonuses for his proneness? Two dice. Two hits. <laughs> All right. So you you tear him up with bullets. Uh, your drones are currently circling around to try and get the angle on him now that he's like stumbled and fallen over to the side. Uh, they try to like reorient themselves. In that in that moment, you reach over, pull the knife out of uh, Mouse's uh, shoulder. She doesn't react at all. And you're like, I saw this in a movie once. And you throw it. <laughs> uh, and even bullet riddled and down, he manages to see it coming and roll to his side and the knife clink, 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 clink along the ground. All right. Um, all right. It is uh, now Hellion's turn. Nope, because I'm going to use a point of edge to seize the initiative. <laughs> With your initiative of one, <laughs> you spend a point of edge and move to the top of the turn order for the rest of this combat turn. So you have one initiative pass, but you're at the top uh, and you do get to go before Hellion. So as the knife scooters across the floor, Boomer stops it with his foot. <laughs> <laughs> he picks he picks up the knife and uh, he stands over the, the uh, very wounded Hellion. P 
picks him up, puts him on his knees, puts a knife in his hand, and I'm still holding his hand, and I hold him close, and I say, you have a shot to restore your honor. You've done a lot of frack up track, mate. You've ruined more lives than the corpse ever will. You're going to be missing your head here in a few, but uh, you can do the other half if you'd like. And he steps back, draws, and then uh, I'm going to burn a point of edge, and uh, one perfect stroke later, what happens, Tommy? Uh, so you said you burnt a point of edge. You're doing a smackdown as well? Yep. Okay. Um, all right. Uh, you do that. He looks up at you. He kind of is like, he's panting. He's got blood coming out. And his blood is like this weird, it, like it's red, but it's like more like, it looks tainted. It looks like it's like, like almost a little, a toxic. Little, a little dark, possibly toxic. Uh, and you say all that. He like is like looking up at you, like one eye like partially closed, the other one like up, and he like forces a slight smile. You draw your katana and you swing for his head, and he puts up one fist and catches the blade in, with his arm. Uh, and the armor jacket uh, that he is wearing soaks up a lot of the uh, blade and you hear like a on his arm. Uh, you're not sure, you've heard a lot of bones break, Boomer. You're not sure that was a bone breaking, maybe a bone fracturing. Um, and uh, it, he stops the blade there with his arm uh, and uh, like grits his teeth with pain. And he stands up. All right, you wanna do this the hard way. <laughs> Honor. Honor gets you killed, Boomer. And uh, he will step back in a familiar uh, form that you've seen before. And he will jump up and roundhouse kick you, Boomer. And with all the smackdowns y'all been laying on him, he's going to smack down you, Boomer. Bring it. I need you to roll a damage resistance, uh, a damage resist test. You don't get to use any of your armor. So just body completely ignores armor it will uh it will affect uh, your your body and your bone density augmentations will still come into play but any armor that you are wearing unless it has uh special modifications i know it does not uh it ignores the armor all right could be worse yep 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 i'm saving that all right six all right uh cashmere roll a perception test for me that's five hits. Cashmere, uh, you've seen Hellion do this a couple times now through various video feeds, but now mm -hmm. that you're seeing it in person, you're actually able to see as uh, mana warps around his leg as he goes to kick, and you realize uh, this is um, an elemental uh, strike that he is doing. Uh, he's actually imbued his body, and you recognize the damage as radiation <laughs> you you realize as he warps radiation around his leg and it's spinning towards boomer and your eyes go wide because it's fragging radiation man yeah. and uh boomer it clocks oh. you clean in the face uh your skin where it impacts immediately boils and then flakes uh, as it go becomes super hot and then dries up immediately as the moisture is all just evaporated out of it uh you take eight points of physical damage you immediately become overcome with nausea uh, and
and uh, your vision goes all like wonky. I mean, you were already pretty disoriented as your intuition was lowered, but now like you're like truly disoriented. You're gonna be operating at a minus four for any other tests moving forward, and you are knocked prone. Uh, and uh, you immediately, uh, like with the kick, just like every, all the contents of your stomach just burst out as you hit the ground. Uh, mouse, it is your turn. You are still brain dead, so you automatically hold your action. I hold my action. <laughs> is Mouse still really brain you, you, Cashmere, it's now your turn, and you feel like just the smallest wisp of man is still holding on to Mouse, just oh. the smallest little bit. I'll recklessly dispel. Okay. Uh, so you go uh, to counterspell. What did you get? Two hits. Okay. Uh, you reach over, uh, you're still kind of looking at uh, Hellion, trying to like plan your next move, and you recklessly channel energy into your, uh, uh, into your focus and push some uh, negation magic towards Mouse, and you're just like, snap out of it. Um, and you feel the hold of the spell break. Uh, and now you need to resist Drain as if you cast it. Uh, and uh, because you were spell cast, or since you were, uh, since you counterspelled recklessly, homebrew rule, uh, <laughs> you have to soak up eight drain damage. Ooh, I got one hit. All right, you take seven stun damage um, as the backlash of uh, Hellion's magic just works its way up your arm and like strikes you, and then. Disconcertingly, it hurts, but like, it feels familiar. You don't know how or why, but just something about this magic oh, because it's doesn't the, feel foreign. It's the same type of magic I've now sort of got, I'm guessing. And uh, you that was one simple action since you did it recklessly. What do you want to do now? Does using a stim patch count as like a simple action? Yeah. Ugh. Bumbles, are you standing next to me? Uh, I'm still in the doorway. So yes. I turn to Bumbles and I say, there's stim patches in this pocket. <laughs> Got it. And then I turn and I fire a lightning bolt. Okay, shooting a lightning bolt at a... Uh... Force seven. <laughs> <laughs> That's three hits. Wahoo. Um, so as you're channeling uh, this lightning ball uh, recklessly with your other hand, as your one hand is pointed at Mouse, um, you start, you take the uh, energy that had just racked through you um, that seemed familiar from uh, counterspelling Mouse, mm -hmm. and you re-channel it into your other arm, uh, somehow able to harness this type of magic, uh, and you realize like, you're stronger in this category than you used to be, and you get plus two on your uh, combat uh, spell attacks. You now learn that you have a plus two for spells, preparations, and uh, rituals in the combat category. Uh, so roll two more dice. That's sick. Uh, that's one more hit. One more hit, so that's four hits. Mm -hmm. And after roundhouse kicking uh, uh, Boomer, though the form was spot on for Hellion. The land, the landing of it was like not perfect. And he like kind of like stumbles and bumps into like a console cause like he's feeling it. Like, I, like when he stumbles, you just see like gushes of like this like gooey, gross, like too thick of blood, like globbing out of him as he like tries to steady himself. 
and then he uh, he turns uh, towards you guys, and he sees you uh, pushing the uh, lightning bolt out of your uh, uh, out of your hand, and um, he like takes like one step back as if it's going to help him, and you just shoot this bolt of lightning that like you know arcs its way like upward, kind of pulled towards the. Uh, uh, the core a little bit and just by like the sheer amount of energy that the core is outputting and then curves back around and finds its mark hitting Hellion pushing him against the count the console that he just bumped into which sparks and fries as he's oh, uh, uh, As he's pressed up against it and he just like jolts for a few seconds and then uh, the like, you know, the, you see the lightning uh, coursing its way around his body and everything and then uh, uh, like his his eyes like pop and he drops down dead. Well, I'm a little shocked that worked. <laughs> and I bring the whole room down. <laughs> Everyone hates it. <laughs> uh, I've got no time to worry about puns because I've got to now save a space station. And Mouse, you are finally brought back. Uh, you, you, it's almost like you blacked out, but you have like faint memories of seeing what just happened. And and you 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 know snap out of it and you realize you missed the fight. <laughs> I slowly get up. <laughs> oh, not bad for an old man. Just wait to. What? Wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> um, do I hear Mouse like get up a blink or like? Yeah, I mean you you something? you know that you successfully counterspelled. Okay. You you I, look over and she's. I turn him. Mouse, are you okay? Yes. Oh, that's so good. Um, how good is Doc? How good is Doc? Yes, I may have a spiritually transmitted disease. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think he's that good. <laughs> oh, frack. Cashmere, uh, definitely roll to resist the stun of that spell. Oh, come on, baby. That's two hits. <laughs> two hits? So you take uh, three stun damage? Four stun damage? That's oh, no, you take four stun damage. Four? Yeah. I, retconning all that? I pass out. <laughs> <laughs> no, you say that. You say that to Mouse. Uh, you go, Mouse, are you all right? And then, they, like, all this yeah, happens. The adrenaline's still running. Yeah, the adrenaline's still running. You actually, not only is the adrenaline running, there's something about fighting that you like now. Oof. This uh, is it was, weird. like, it was really thrilling to channel that energy at that guy. And, like, you just, like, you, you're actually, there's a small part of you that is disappointed that there's not more people to fight. And you see that, and then you're like, Mouse says she's okay, and you kind of blink out of that, like, kind of haze, and you're like, hey, oh, oh, no. And you just, boom, fall over, <laughs> unconscious. <laughs> <laughs> right, this is all great. We're still crashing. Ear, um, ear. Evacuate immediately. Critical overload. Can I, um, we yeah. don't have a lot of time. Can I, like, beautiful mind find what's wrong here and fix it? Can I, yeah, hardware test to see if there's any way to vent it so we don't explode or something? Uh, mouse roll, you guys are just observing the damage right now? I'm trying to figure out how to fix it. Yeah. Right, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, you're I'm you're assessing the situation. Bumbles either roll hardware, aeronautic mechanic, or industrial mechanic. All right. Um, am I getting assisted by Mouse? Uh, yeah, Mouse is going to roll her hardware. Mouse, how many hits did you get? Eight. Okay. Uh, Bumbles take four. It's only so helpful uh, in this situation. <sighs> That's six hits on aeronautics mechanic. Bumbles, uh, you look around and you realize, like, yeah, uh, Hellion was definitely, like, pulling what 
a, a lot of random components off the wall, but it's actually seemed somewhat deliberate. And you start to like piece together the damage he's done to the room around. And you realize uh, that uh, given and you like kind of look underneath the core and you realize he like detonated a small explosive device uh, on a certain component underneath the core that is like making it like overheat and stuff. Uh, and uh, you. Uh, realize like with all the other things he's done to the room that uh, should the core overheat, it will channel its blast in a direction that will propel the uh, uh, the space station straight down. Okay. Um, you also realize that the uh, radiation shielding on the uh, uh, containment core it's, busted, the, yeah. it's 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 not up there are, there are walls that should be up you shouldn't be able to see through this glass there should be like metal walls holding it in place great uh you should all be in hazmat suits right now yeah um, well, you know, shoulda coulda woulda uh and um you think that that you have a few options as far as this goes um you could try and re-channel the re-channel the explosion uh to uh, make it detonate and propel the, uh, uh, well, first it could just detonate completely, um, or you could propel it, uh, at a different angle so that it has more time in the atmosphere to break up. Or what you could do is, uh, like this is all, those are both, uh, possible options. It is, it's dangerous. Obviously you're trying to channel a, a thermonuclear explosion into a certain like area. Uh, it doesn't, it's, it's possible, but you're not sure. Um, you also realize that like to operate in the core, uh, there are like mechanical arms that can like you know withstand the radiation um, and like mess with the stuff. That's what people usually do to operate on this, and they do it with a rigor interface. Uh, so you can jump into that and with Mouse's assistance, perhaps get wider control of the station uh, to effectively do kind of what Hellion was doing already, uh, but on a larger scale to make the station break up instead of. Uh, relying on the thermonuclear explosion to do that. You could make the station break up and then vent the core and then, uh, like, you know, ride, like, the explosion will happen, but it will happen away from a broken-up station, which would then send semi-incinerated uh, bits of a space station into the atmosphere, which would then break down and not cause any damage on the planet's surface. Okay. You also realize that should this, uh, should this space station uh, actually go down the way that Hellion wants, it will land directly on Seattle and uh, Seattle will be wiped off the map. Uh, this isn't a dinosaur extinction level uh, crisis, but it is a North America, it's a, probably. <laughs> it's a greater Seattle area yeah, extinction yeah. crisis. Uh, the, the tsunami uh, resulting uh, would travel across, uh, across the world, uh, causing storms everywhere. Uh, most uh, <laughs> most of uh, the United Canadian American states would, uh, would have serious fallout. Um, it would just be bad all around. There'd be a giant crater where Seattle used to be. Okay. Um, here's what I need everyone to do. Mouse, give me a data tap. I'm going to need you hacked in here while you're heading to the space shuttle. Boomer, slap a stim patch on, uh, uh, Kashmir here. He, uh, uh, I, I don't know. He might be faster if he's asleep and you carry him. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, you know what? I'll just carry him. Um, <laughs> here, take my med kit. Um, uh, once you get to the shuttle, I'm going to need you to data tap onto the rigger interface because I'm going to fly you home as best I can. No. <laughs> you idiot. Can't you do it from the shuttle? Uh, I, uh, can I rig an interface from the shuttle? Uh, yes. Uh, the noise is a little harder. What with the radiation? Uh, it's going to possibly melt a data tap. Uh, you're not 100% sure. It's possible. 
all of these options are possible. The most surefire bet is for you to directly rigor Wrath from of Khan this right shit. Now, to Wrath of Khan this shit. <laughs> it's the, that's the surefire way. The other ways are viable options as well, just less sure. Yeah, we're going to go for the sure thing. I'm going to take Kashmir and go here, and I ping the closest shuttle. Sure. I pick them up, Medkit and Kashmir and so. The second closest shuttle. <laughs> okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As I'm going, I hit the door open on the first closest and then go to the second closest. Okay. Uh, Boomer, as you're running out, uh, the the uh, juggernaut does, like, enter the room. Uh, seeking targets. <laughs> Unsafe amounts of radiation detected. We should vacate. <laughs> um, and you run past him. You uh, hit the one. Uh, uh, the swarm goes with Boomer and Kashmir. Okay. Uh, including the juggernaut? Will it fit? No. Yes, in one in one of in I mean there are other escape pods. The There's... juggernaut stands between me and the core. Okay. <laughs> uh, cool. The juggernaut uh, moves in and stands there. Uh, the swarm follows uh, the escape pod seat six. So Cashmere uh, and Boomer uh, get in. The swarm fits in, um, and uh, Boomer starts working on Cashmere. I launch it. Mouse, you launch the escape pod. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Boomer, how are you patching up Kashmir? Are you uh, uh, using the med kit? Are you med kit. okay? Uh, I'm assuming you're just turning on the auto dock. Yeah, and okay. while it does its thing, I'm going to suit up, and then uh, I'll get Cash into a suit. Actually, it might be easier if I just stim patch him. So I stim patch him. Put this on. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Yeah, Kashmir, you temporarily heal six stun. Um, and yeah, uh, you guys start suiting up. Uh, Boomer, you clip the data tap on the uh, uh, on the controls of the um, escape pod, uh, as per Bumble's orders. And immediately as you do, shunk, the door closes and Mouse sends you off. If you fraggers don't make it back, I'm going to kill you. Good to know. What? Back from where? Um, What's going on? I, <laughs> I take off my garter. Okay. Um... And I give it to Bumbles, and I say, here, put this on your arm, and then pop the kamikaze. <laughs> and then I pop kamikaze. Okay. <laughs> um, right? Because that helps. So uh, as Mouse injects both of you with kamikaze, you get uh, plus one to your body, plus one to your agility, plus two to your strength, uh, plus one to your willpower, plus two to your physical limit, high pain tolerance three... And plus 2d6 initiative dice. As the drugs enter your body, they take hold immediately. You, you're like, you're like muscles all tense and then like relax in a way they've never done before. And it's like your movement is more natural than it's ever been. Uh, and like you're a little crazed in the mind. You're like, <laughs> all right, let's do this. <laughs> all right. Time to be a space station. <laughs> and I drop into VR. Okay. I rigger into the space station. Okay. Uh, well, first you rigger into the little arms that uh, well, yeah, manipulate I mean. the radioactive core. Mouse, however, uh, you need marks on um, everything. Everything. You have marks. You have data taps all around the station. You have access to the municipal. You have access to the security, and you have access now to the uh, comms. to the com. Oh yeah, you have access to the comms, and you now have access to the uh, core. core engineering. Okay. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I got to get um, things on the... Oh, you also have a mark on uh, the public. Public. Yeah. Yeah. 
All right, I will count this as one test at a minus five, and I'm just going to set a, a threshold for you. How many hits? Five. Okay, so in a matter of about four seconds, uh, you get the requisite marks needed uh, on all of the hosts you have access to due to the data taps you've been sticking around. Mm -hmm. And um, you are able to now do a blanket edit file uh, to try and expand the permissions from the rigger interface that Boomer or Bumbles is currently using uh, to be able to rig into all the devices that are currently linked to all of these different uh, uh, subsystems you've oh, you tapped are into. A space station. Okay. Um, so do I have to roll the edit file then? Yes. All right. Uh, just take a minus two to this. Five. Okay. Uh, you again. It takes you. This time it takes you about uh, almost a full minute. And you rewrite all the protocols, and uh, Bumbles, you have, you, you're, as she's doing this, your consciousness, which is currently dropped into just these little arms looking at this, like, uh, radioactive core, which is, like, overheating and starting to break the arms. It kind of hurts a little bit, actually. You're mm -hmm. like, ow, ow, ow. It's but hot. I have high pain tolerance you now. You do have high pain tolerance <laughs> right now. Um, uh, and then every time she edits a file, like, another, like, your, your consciousness goes, like, and, like, mo like, moves on to another part. And it's like you're, you're becoming bigger and larger, and there's more that you can do. This will not be helpful for his ego. And, uh, and then before you know it, you are basically a space station. You can feel the cold emptiness of space on your outside. Uh, you have turrets at your control. You have control of many of the doors in the facility. Uh, you can see through all the cameras. You can see you and Mouse laying there. Um, you, uh... You have, like, control of the music that's playing. You have, like, you are this space station. What do they play at the Red Hot Nukes Clubhouse? Uh, there's, there's this one, uh, like, half mariachi, half, uh, like, rock and roll uh, artist um, who they really, really like. Uh, he, you know, he just, like, it's like he blends the, like, quickness of guitaring with the mariachi with, uh, with, like, the hard rock of, uh, of like, you know, modern day, like goblin rock. Uh, this is a gentleman by the name of, uh, Oberon Delgado. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. All right. I put on Delgado's third album. It's his best. <laughs> and, uh, it starts with a, like a little, like, little, uh, like, smooth guitar and then it's like and like you know and you're like you're feeling it it's like it's pumping through the entire station all right i'm gonna get to work on uh getting the core under control do i see are there other people on the station besides us uh no you do see a lot of dead bodies okay I don't give a <laughs> but shit you about don't them. see anyone uh currently alive it seems like perhaps uh hellion made the, his rounds first to eliminate any resistance fast dude okay um, here's what I'd like to try and do. I'm going to seal off the path from us to the escape pod. Okay. And then I would like to vent all of the atmosphere and the core essentially down towards the planet in an attempt to provide enough thrust to actually keep this thing in the air. All right, you know that by doing that, it, it's going to destroy the, the station. It's not going to keep it in the air. Uh, this this path that you are on right now is not a path in which you keep this thing in the air. Actually, but Hellion has made it impossible for this thing to so stay. So it can't in keep it in the air? No. Okay, I'm still going to do that. 
with the intent of steering as much of the debris into the Pacific Ocean as possible. Okay. Uh, so, so uh, you know, a vent all of the atmosphere except the kind we need and the path we need to go. Sure. And uh, fire all of the maneuvering thrusters that are still there. Yep. Um, am I tied into the space shuttle we took? The space shuttle you guys took? Yeah. From Mitsuhama? The Mitsuhama one you didn't leave a data tap in. I don't get anything from it being airlocked on. I mean, you have control as to whether or not it stays airlocked on, but... Um, yeah, I'll let it go. We need to drop weight. Okay. I need to make this thing move. <laughs> yeah, oh, you can drop a lot of weight. There's, others, there's other yeah. shuttles and stuff. There's a bunch of other escape pods besides the one that you guys are angling for. You can jettison all that shit. Yeah, I jettison everything we do not need in an attempt to bring this thing down in the least harmful place possible. Okay. I then put out a call to Magnitude and tell him to look west because it's going to be fucking rad. <laughs> <laughs> Bull drag! <laughs> Uh, all right, you send out the message. <laughs> and then I get to work on venting the core correctly. Okay. Uh, I need you to roll aeronautics mechanic um, with the benefits of your control rig. I command the walls between us and the core to go up, if I can. That is four hits on aeronautics mechanic. Okay. Uh, Mouse, uh, upon giving Bumble's control of all oh, these subsystems, the he is now inside everything. You are booted from, uh, from the system. I mean, like, you're still, like, you're hanging out in the host, right? But you have, like, no control over it. Okay. <laughs> like, you don't lose the marks or something like that. Like, I was like, if you jack me out forcibly, I'm going to be oh, so Oh, no, mad. no, no, no. Not, like, booted, booted. Like, it's just like you're just like, oh, I have no control of anything right now. Right. Um, if the walls are still functional, which I'm guessing they're not, I, I do try to bring them up. Some of them are. Uh, okay. So they go up, but, you know, there's still radiation sure. leaking from other sides. Yeah. Um, how many hits did you get on your aeronautics? Four hits. Four hits. Okay. Um... That you start the prep for that, uh, you're gonna have to roll one more time. You're starting to uh, lose altitude at this point, right? Um, go ahead and roll one more time. Uh, that's five hits on aeronautics mechanic. Okay, uh, you vent the core, uh, it floats out in the space. Uh, Kashmir uh, and Boomer, uh, you guys are sitting locked into the uh, uh, the escape pod that's drifting down. Uh, it seems to have some sort of autopilot leading you somewhere uh, on the ground. And uh, you uh, uh, you look up and you see this, like, almost like miniature sun, this, like, red, like, yellowish-red, like, heat just go away from the station that is, like, slowly kind of moving towards your guys' the right of your guys' vision as you're drifting down. And you see it kind of, like... Uh, send this thing off. Are you sending it towards the planet, did you say? Or no, you're sending it off to the side to try and push yourself sideways. Right. Okay, so yeah, it uh, kind of... I'm assuming it's about to detonate. I don't yeah. like the explosion to push us towards the ocean. So you it kind of, uh, you, you time it out. You like see when the levels are getting there and you hit the eject button and like uh, mouse where you're sitting, you just see like that uh, on the other side of that glass, it goes... I'm still unconscious. Oh, all right. Well, through the cameras. Sure. <laughs> um, uh, you you uh, you see the core, like everything that was inside that little glass containment, uh, uh, drops down, and then uh, it shoots out. Cashmere and uh, Boomer, you see it, and there's like oh. a brief pause, and uh, it looks like uh, it's like a shooting star that you're really close to, and then it goes, oh. and it goes bright white. And, like, you guys instantly shield your eyes uh, and, like, you're, like, temporarily blinded by the sheer, like, brightness of it as uh, the uh, thermonuclear explosion detonates. Um, you hit turbulence, basically, in the escape pod. Uh, you feel like you just got, like, like rocked around a little bit um, and you haven't even made it to the atmosphere yet. Uh, and uh, on the station, uh, your body is both, uh, like, get uh, pushed off to the side. 
um, uh, like caught taut by your guys's different uh, Ow. uh, uh <laughs> by Mouse's data jack cord and by uh, Bumble's control rig cord. Uh, you both like just like get like pushed to the side and uh, uh, yeah, it, it detonates and it like cooks half of the station, and the station starts like moving more quickly towards the surface at an angle. Uh, what are you doing, Bumbles? You're trying to steer? <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm doing everything I can to steer us towards uh, the Pacific Ocean. Try like a shallow... Yeah, I want to... If we can skip across the atmosphere a few times, that's ideal. <laughs> so you start going down and you're doing what you had planned on doing, which is kind of what Hellion was doing, but uh, using the explosions of different areas on the ship to like move you away from Seattle. I'm like, I'm venting... Like, I'm venting the atmosphere from various holds yeah. in time to course correct. Right, right. And, like, you're, like, overloading systems and they're blowing up, which, like, you know, like, tilts the space station just slightly one way. The bot- botanical garden is up in flames at this point. Um. <laughs> <laughs> so, can I, now that the core is not there, can I data tap it for him? Can he use a data tap to, for rigor interfacing? Um... Yes, you can. However, there's another there's another problem with with the core being invented. Uh, there are cracks in the glass. There's cracks in the glass, um, and the the cracks go. And, yeah. Uh, it seems like this area might be about to start like getting vacuumed out. <laughs> right. Well, what I was hoping to do um, is tap the the interface and then tap his RCC so they can like. So they can speak? Speak, and then carry Bumbles to the... Drag Bumbles to the <laughs> to the shuttle before we die? Is that a thing? I mean, I can do this remotely. There's no wireless signal. Right, right. The point is, as soon as you detach him directly from the thing, you are, you are at risk of him losing control of this station. Right. Uh, it's possible, but you, you're not 100% sure... If you don't have him there physically driving this thing into the ocean, you can't guarantee that he will succeed in what he's attempting to do. Well, there's a big hole right here. But if he dies because of vacuum exposure, then it's not going to work anyway. Well, it's cracking right now. It hasn't happened yet. I'll just jump out when it's close. (laughs) I don't think that's a good idea. No, it's not. I'm trying to get you to leave so I can save you. Well, I want to save you. Well, this is truly a conundrum. Hold on, I have to fly a crashing space station. I do it. Okay. Uh, Tap, tap. So you tap both of those. You have to pull his cord out if he's not doing it willingly. I do it. I'm sorry. Uh, Bumbles, roll firewall and willpower for me. That's three hits. Okay. Uh, You take five physical damage. Okay. Okay. Uh, as she rips your uh, connection out and uh, all of that strength and power you felt as you were uh, controlling an entire space station sucks back into your uh, into your body. Ow! Okay, let's go. Plug back in. And I lift him up and I carry, I drag him. I have my arm. Yeah, no, this is more than just your arm. Yeah, this is your whole body. Shit. <laughs> I mean, I can do this remotely. <laughs> Run. Yeah, Yeah. I start running. We run. And as I'm running, I'm just like... Moving stuff in the AR? Yeah. All right. um, I I need you both to roll a running test. That's one hit for Bumbles. One hit for Mouse. 
Okay, you guys start running. <laughs> uh, you're running as fast as you can. Bumbles, I need you to roll uh, two more uh, aeronautic mechanics for me. Okay. That's five hits on the first one. Cool. And three hits on the second. Okay. Four hits, four hits. Okay. Roll one more for me at a minus two. That's four hits. Okay. Uh, so you're, uh, sprinting and, uh, closing, you know, closing things behind you and everything and, uh, and continuing to vent certain areas and you get, uh, to the, uh, uh, escape pod. Okay. Right about when you get there, you start to feel your signal with the, uh, data jack starting to like fade just slightly. Sure. Uh, it's like, you're still, it's still possible, but like. You do have a, a sinking feeling that maybe if you leave the station, you might not be able to steer it the final ways in. Okay. Don't worry. I'm very good at this. And I get in the escape pod, basically ready to eject at the last possible moment. <laughs> okay. Uh, at this point, you guys hit the atmosphere. Um, Don't worry. I've done this dozens of times in simulations. <laughs> okay. It's a good thing she can't tell when I'm lying. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the station breaks across the atmosphere. Parts start breaking and breaking and breaking. Uh... Um, I send one more call to Magnitude. I just say, hey, I don't know what you got in there, but I might need you to actually shoot this down um, for the last bit, if you can. <laughs> you hit the atmosphere, and at this point you start fin finalizing your plan. You're detonating certain parts of the station entirely so it starts to break. Uh, you're... Yeah, oh, and uh, once I'm in the escape pod... Um... I'd rig her back in. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you start, like, blowing up parts of the station, like, leading inwards. Uh, and so they start, like, breaking off. Uh, Boomer and Cashmere, you guys have made it through the atmosphere at this point, And you can see, like, way off in the distance, like, the entry point of the, uh, uh, of the space station. Do, um, I, do I have any control over their, their shuttle? If you want to. Yeah. I'm just going to land it. Maybe not at Mitsuhama Spaceport, where it's probably programmed to automatically go. You actually look, and it's programmed to go uh, to the uh, corporate court headquarters in Washington, D.C. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's going to land in Redmond. Okay. <laughs> Somewhere? <laughs> I'm going to land it in the nearest scrap heap to Doc's clinic. Uh, the nearest scrap heap to Doc's clinic would be uh, where the Red Hawk nukes do their uh, initiation. Uh, it's just a bunch of empty warehouses. You're familiar with the place. Great. Um, Boomer can find your way to Doc's from where you're going. Good luck. I have to fly a dying space station again. Bye. <laughs> Wait, what's going Boomer, what's going on? Where uh, are they? Yeah. Did they escape? Probably. Probably. I... The space station starts breaking up. Um, as you guys hit the atmosphere, the, the, the shaking of the station, uh, detonating in certain areas and, and shattering, uh, shakes the pod. And uh, the uh, hold that the pod has on the station, uh, those mechanics or those mechanisms that are like holding it against the station start to break. Okay. Um, and the, uh, uh, the pod is like starting to detach itself slightly. You still have an air seal with the station, but it looks like the pod's about to break off. Okay. Should we launch? I think we should launch. We should launch. Launch. Um, I'm going to do the last possible thing I, I can to get the station into the ocean. And then we're going to launch the space shuttle we're on. Okay. The escape pod, I guess. 
so you uh, uh, detonate the final like areas that you can find, like that you can overheat and blow, uh, and then uh, you detach and you start plummeting real fast. <laughs> yeah, these are made for space more yeah. than here. <laughs> uh, you uh, you didn't detach in space, so you didn't have a time to like right. control your orbit into uh, into the uh, into the atmosphere. So you hit the atmosphere at the full speed of the space station. Have I lost my connection to the space station at this point? Uh, not at this moment. Why? What are you going to do? Okay, I'm going to pop out of being rigged into the space station, and I'm going to remotely fly the space station while I remotely fly the space shuttle. Okay, uh, roll uh, pilot aerospace for me. Uh, that's no hits on pilot aerospace. All right, and you have no edge to speak of. <laughs> no, I used it to kill a madman. Uh, so uh, you guys go plummeting down. Do I see the pod eject? Uh, yeah, you guys are entering at, uh, relatively in the same area as and they are. I see them. I see them eject. I have an idea. Where does the... I, I mean, I've got the schematics of this thing, right? Because I'm... I was inside one. Uh, can I get the schematics for this thing? I mean, you're, you're inside it right now. Okay. Where does the parachute deploy from? From the back? <laughs> sure, yeah. Are there handles on the back? Wait. Like to open the door, I mean. Here's what I'm trying to do. Yes. How many seatbelts do I have? I'd like to jury rig us to the portion of the ship where the parachute deploys from and use my rating 10 explosive foam to blow the rest of the ship immediately after deploying the parachutes. (laughs) (laughs) There's no way you can hang on. Uh, That is something that you are fully capable of doing, but not in the amount of time it is taking, it would take for you to plummet to the ground. Um, But are you rigged in? Um, can I, am I continuing to assist the descent of the space station or is that, am I? Yeah, yeah, those are those tests we already rolled, so that's happening. Okay. Uh, 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 then if I don't think I can do anything else, I would be rigged in. Okay. Now. Yeah, at this point I assume, Bumbles, you are, uh, trying to get control of the thrusters and, uh, do whatever you can to slow down your descent. It's not going very well. Okay. Yeah, I rolled the initial test without being rigged in, though, so... Don't worry about it right now. Okay. So seeing seeing that... Oi, this is our pod. I'm having a hard time making sure the space station doesn't kill everyone while also making sure we don't die in this space shuttle. Can you do some magic fuckery? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> it's possible you might be able to cast a spell yourself, but you are suffering at extreme penalties to try and see them. Kashmir, roll magical traditions for me. Cash. Mm-hmm. We're back, on, we're back in the atmosphere. Yes. Oh, uh, brilliant. <laughs> what did you roll? <laughs> I rolled uh, four hits. Yeah. Uh, as Boomer says that, uh, you realize that you are seeped in mana. And uh, while you might not be able to get to your friends and save you, you have some friends who might be able to get to your friends and save them. <laughs> yes. Um, Eraga, Kiraga, go get them. Uh, immediately on either side of the, uh, on either side of, uh, Bumbles and, uh, Mouse's tumbling, free-falling, uh, escape pod, uh, that Bumbles is trying to get control of, but he's also trying to control a space station, de- uh, like, disintegrating in the atmosphere and still steering towards the ocean and not going too far to hit Japan. And <laughs> he's got a lot on his plate. He's like, uh, and there's thrusters and I'll figure out the parachute in a second. And, like, you guys are just tumbling, Mouse, you're just holding on for dear life. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. Um, and, uh, you get a glimpse through one of the viewports as, uh, uh, Eraga comes into existence. I think I'm hallucinating. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh... I am in my space suit. I am not. 
so Mouse and Bumbles, you are reaching terminal velocity, heading straight towards. Uh, it actually is the ocean you're over, um, so that's good. <laughs> but it doesn't really, really matter. Yeah, you're going at a fast enough speed that you don't think you'll survive the impact. Um, and uh, Eraga uh, and Kiraga. Oh, the plant man's gonna save me again. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Kiraga kind of swirls around Eraga, and. Uh, uh, your connection uh, with them, Cashmere, allows you to know that uh, Kiraga is uh, performing the magical power guard on uh, Eraga to prevent him from having any glitches. Mm. Um, <laughs> and uh, then Eraga kind of like spreads its wings and like flies backwards, like underneath the uh, uh, the plummeting escape pod, and opens up its uh, beak. And like this torrent of wind starts to like swirl in front of him, and like the escape pod hits this pocket of wind and starts losing speed a little bit. And then he does it again and it loses a little more speed. And then slowly, like he's staying underneath it and starting to guide it sideways instead of like straight, like keeping it straight down. And he slowly like guides you guys, uh, towards the, um, uh, towards the ocean. And that's when bumbles, you realize like, Oh, there's, there's a, there's, like flotation devices and you, and you engage those <laughs> and uh, there's like foom, 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 these little flotation devices uh, land you on the water. It's a heavy landing and you guys get jolted around but with Eraga's help uh, using his uh, movement power he's able to slow you down enough that like you don't fully submerge and like you hit. Uh, Mouse, I need you to roll a body and willpower test for Come me. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm definitely not going to throw up again. It's definitely not happening. And you put the spacesuit back on. <laughs> Please. Four. Uh, you feel like a lurch in your stomach, but you remember how terrible it was to throw up in your spacesuit last time, and you're just kind of like, nope, nope, and you will it down. Uh, the kamikaze oh. still holding on to you a, l- a little bit, keep giving you that extra like boost to mm-hmm. keep control of your body. <laughs> I take the helmet off. But... <laughs> uh, Bumbles and Mouse, you are now floating in the ocean. All uh, right, I, uh, I pop the hatch to find the space station and continue guiding it in if I still can. Uh, at this point, you've lost connection with it. Okay. Uh, everything you've done I pop is the hatch to watch the space station as it crashes because it's going to be fucking rad. Uh, the oh, space station is falling. Shot. It's broken into four different pieces, and those pieces break into four more different pieces. And... Uh, as it finishes passing through the atmosphere, um, it is in several large chunks, but not that large. And they start hitting the water. Big waves start heading over Close towards you guys. You guys, are, you guys are like several miles away from this. Like you kind of lose sight of it as it hits the ocean, but you can like hear this, like the, like the entry of it and like the hitting of the ocean and everything. But, uh, it seems like it's broken up enough that it's not going to cause like a massive tsunami. Um, and there's like a little bit of a delay before you guys start getting hit with these like kind of larger waves. Um, Kashmir and uh, Boomer, you guys have lost sight of this mostly as you are uh, quickly descending towards uh, uh, the ground, not the ocean. Um, and uh, <laughs> you uh, drift down, um, and after like a minute or two, uh, you start to realize you're over Seattle. And then a few more minutes pass, and then uh, you are over Redmond. And then another minute passes, and you come to touch down gently in the middle of. Uh, a place that you recognize, Boomer, as um, where the Red Hawk nukes uh, performed their initiation process. And uh, you land there, you pop, the hatch pops itself open. <laughs> and uh, you stand up and you hear the roaring engines of motorcycles and a lot of, Woo! 
<laughs> and you stand out, Boomer, and you see that you are surrounded by red hot nukes who uh, who followed the trajectory of this escape pod. <laughs> I, uh, I yell out, "Did you freaking see that?" <laughs> Woo! Uh, I uh, I help cash up, and uh, I climb down, take my suit off. I'm gonna go ahead and call Bryn. <laughs> I'm gonna just. Lie down for a bit, I think. <laughs> I, I pat him on his head. Yeah, uh, the spirits do uh, dissipate, and then a few seconds later reappear next to Kashmir. Also, how close to shore are we? Is it not close? You don't see the shore. Oh, okay. We're in the <laughs> middle of the Pacific Ocean right now. <laughs> this is great. I think do you I'm have like... pilot watercraft? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you guys, uh, Mouse Bumbles, you look around, you don't see the uh, shore anywhere. Uh, you're kind of sure where you are, and where you are is in like the middle of the ocean. Um, that was the only place that you could uh, create these sizes of impact and not have it like become a, a city-destroying wave. Bryn picks up. Hi. Hello. You're, you're Hi. alive. I'm here too. Oh, you're uh, where's Cashmere Boomer? I think Redmond. They're, in, they're, they're in Redmond. Everything is fine. <laughs> um, I think we're in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. I don't. Can you bring a helicopter, please? <laughs> or something? Maybe an aircraft carrier. <laughs> or a boat. And just. Or a submarine. <laughs> <laughs> I'll. I think I can get my hands on something. Uh, yeah, I'll get back in touch with you guys. Send me your coordinates. I do. Uh. You go to send your, your, the coordinates, and the Matrix is currently offline. <laughs> but I'm sat-linked to spot. So you are, yes, that's right. So you, uh, Mouse, you attempt to send the coordinates. You realize the Matrix is currently offline. Mm. Uh, spot starts driving towards the ocean. <laughs> Bumbles, uh, you, you do, uh, uh, you're able to, like, relay through spot your coordinates because spot is attached to a satellite up, up top. Um... There's still satellites operative. It's just like the like the Google search you tried to do for where am I did not work. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Uh, many of the matrix you you investigate the matrix protocols and you realize that like a lot of like the mundane like normal day to day functions of the matrix are currently uh, malfunctioning. Mm-hmm. Um, and Cashmere uh, and uh, Boomer, you guys are being uh, like. Cheered by the uh, Red Hawk nukes, they offer to give you a ride wherever you want. Doc's Clinic. <laughs> uh, so they start driving you towards Doc's Clinic, and um, Doc's not there, and it's locked up. <laughs> Somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> well, all the all the stuff is still there, just maybe Doc isn't. Well, first things first, and uh, he gently touches the radiation. I need a fucking burger. <laughs> Let's um, if you could just quickly auto pick this, and then we can go in here, and then we can get a burger and some beer, some good beer. But first, you should get healed because that looks disgusting. I'm gonna pass out. All right, so uh, sorry, Doc. <laughs> I auto pick the door. Yeah, uh, Boomer, you managed to uh, unlock the door, step on in, uh, bid adieu to the uh, Red Hot Nukes who are still like cheering. Uh, Magnitude on the way was like, I don't care what I said before, you're a full-fledged Red Hot Nuke now. <laughs> uh, oh, and I'm a, am I a partial Red Hot Nuke? Yeah, we'll talk about that. We'll, uh, <laughs> we'll meet back up in that field where I picked you guys up. Oh, fun. Is it like a, a picnic or something? 
Yeah, something yeah, yeah, like that. It's basically a picnic. <laughs> awesome. That handshake looks really cool. Um, and you guys uh, get in and you start getting worked on like you, by the uh, automated aspects of Doc's clinic. Um, they start patching you up. Uh, a few hours pass. Um, they're resting up in Doc's clinic. Uh, so, Cash, looks like we all made it out alive, huh? Wow, yes. We, oh, wow, we cer- certainly did. Goodness. You you were worried all this time you weren't cut out for that. You know how many people, Dragon Runners, have been up into space and came back alive? Are we still technically runners? And over the DNI, yeah. we're global heroes. <laughs> oh, it's I was... very boring out here on the sea. Yeah, I was thinking we might be terrorists now. I'm thinking we're probably all terrorists. Well, the point is, you were a little down before, and, uh... I think you don't need to feel that way anymore. Thanks, Boomer. I appreciate it. I, I've been having some weird dreams that have been telling me otherwise. And then a glowy-eyed guy who told me not to trust those dreams. And then a, a dream that was much more complicated than either of those events. <laughs> but thank you. I respect the hell of you, Cash. You're a real friend. Oh, you're a real friend too, Boomer. A few hours pass. You have to put your paper hat on. It's to protect from the sun. Okay. Just just keep it on. I know you don't like it. No, it's fine. Do, uh, what if I, uh, you know, just turn it a little bit like this? It's and suddenly that paper hat looks great <laughs> on Bumbles. It's very jaunty. Yeah. Um, if anyone can pull off a paper hat, it is Bumbles. And I, like, roll up my sleeves and, like, loosen my tie a little. And yeah. <laughs> do shipwreck chic. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and around that time, uh, you hear, and, uh, you look up and you see a helicopter flying overhead. I wave at it. Hello? You're not murdery, are you? <laughs> uh, it comes lower and, uh, you get a, uh, you get a glimpse in the cockpit and you see Bryn sitting there and, uh, he's like sweating <laughs> and like, he like gets there and like levels it out. It's a little shaky, him leveling it out. And then he opens up like the side thing. And he throws down like a, a rope and he's like, Bumbles, I could use you up here. All right. I'm not great at climbing, but I'll try. <laughs> uh, you both make your way up the rope. Um, uh, Bryn uh, explains to you that uh, he, he borrowed this uh, on a favor. Um, and uh, you guys need to like go up north a ways and then go over to uh, Seattle because there's a whole torrent of like emergency ve- uh, air vehicles flying towards the the wreckage. Um, and uh, he wants to get out of the way as soon as possible. All right. I, uh, I do as he says. All right. You guys fly up there. Uh, you're still in communication with the team. Kashmir and Boomer, are you still hanging out at Doc's clinic for the night? It's going to be like the evening when these guys make it back to Seattle. We're, we're sure they're safe. I mean, I've never crashed a helicopter. <laughs> oh, I look like a terrorist. You do. We should stay in Doc's clinic. And we Grubhub some burgers. And I guess if there's a grub, grub like Grog Hub for beer. <laughs> <laughs> there totally is. Yeah, you get a delivery service. You, uh, uh, <laughs> 
Boomer like wears like a a weird like hat and like mask or something to like uh he, he wears a surgical mask. <laughs> Hello. I am just a normal Baron's resident. <laughs> Thank you for the burger. Uh the delivery driver is a teenager and he's like, whatever, man, here you go. <laughs> Bumbles oh. over the DNI. Fucking teenagers. <laughs> I guess um now that I can definitely say that I'm not stranded in the middle of the Pacific Ocean, I'll call Doc and let him know it's okay. Uh, yeah, he is thrilled to hear from you. He thought you died up there. Um, he's got Sierra. Uh, he'll drop her by, back off uh, at her uh, private boarding school where she stays safe, and uh, he'll meet you back at the clinic. Uh, he actually gets there before Bumbles and uh, uh, Mouse do and uh, he finds cashmere and boomer hanging out there hi Oi, doc. doc beer you want one of these beers <laughs> <laughs> cashmere heavily medicated <laughs> oh no with beer yes <laughs> um doc uh, sits there he like opens his mouth as if he wants to just like yell at boomer for like getting mouse in trouble or something he like just looks like he's ready to like rip into you guys for being so fucking stupid and then he just goes yeah, I could use a beer. <laughs> and uh, he sits down and uh, and drinks and uh, then I goes. Toss him a burger. He goes into the, his place and grabs some more like beer so he can like just like sit there on the uh, in the clinic with you guys drinking. Uh, and he asks mm-hmm. you about what the frag just happened. And uh, after a little bit, uh, Bumbles Mouse, you both uh, uh, get landed at Federated Boeing uh, with uh, Bryn. And he's like, "We need to use exit seven, and we're good." Okay. Uh, seven, t- seven, seven, seven it is. And uh, you guys, you know, hurriedly leave Federated Boeing. Uh, everyone that you walk by just like turns away as if they don't see you. Is that magic fuckery? No, it is lots of money. So the same thing. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Hardly. Uh, uh, Spot, I assume, has been driven to Federated Boeing at this point, parked outside. Yeah. Um, hey, Mouse, how hurt are you? Um, only a little. All right, you get in the med bay first, and then I'll hop in after. Because I'm quite hurt now that the drugs have worn off. <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, so as you two get in the car, uh, the kamikaze wears off. Mm-hmm. And you both take six unresisted stun damage. You have a minus one to reaction, a minus one to willpower, and a minus two to all limits for an hour. I'm unconscious. Yeah, Mouse, uh, as you're climbing in the Valkyrie Bay, you just, boom, pass out. And it starts working on you. A few minutes pass, you wake back up. Uh, Oh, that's not good. Bumbles, you feel like shit. This is why I don't do drugs. (laughs) This is so bad. (laughs) Uh, You guys fill in Bryn as to what happened along Mm -hmm. the way. He is flabbergasted. He get, he fills you in on what's been going on uh, planet side since uh, since the station started blowing up. Um, uh, it appears that the uh, like he said, many of these uh, these operations have uh, terrestrial backups. Uh, so at this point, the Matrix is already back online. Uh, Grid Overwatch has re uh, has like set up temporarily at the. Uh, uh, corporate council uh, location in uh, Manhattan uh, and they've uh, 
yeah, uh, basically everyone's back online. There was a bit of chaos, looting, all that craziness, you know, for a little bit. But at this point, like, even by the time the evenings come out, like, most of the, like, violence in the streets has, like, dropped down. And, like, the corporations have, like, a hold on things again. Um, there is definitely going to be a fallout of, like, you know, trying to track down the money and use those that opportunity of inser- uncertainty to, uh, like, have certain corporations come out on top and everything. As far as uh, Bryn can guess, it's going to be a few months before like all that dust settles and we see which corporations make what moves. He's more concerned about uh, uh, getting you guys back, getting everyone patched up, uh, and um, he also lets you guys know that he plans to have a funeral for Whitmore uh, in the next couple days. Um, so in those couple days, uh, where's everyone staying at? Doc's clinic? Doc, as soon as you get back, Mouse, Doc, like runs up drunkenly and gives you a big old hug. And then so does Boomer. (laughs) Cashmere having nothing to do does as well. (laughs) So squishy. I'm here too. (laughs) I grab him and pull him into the middle. (laughs) Well done, you guys. uh, No one died. Well, none of us did. I mean, no one important or good. Uh, Sure. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Right? Not from us. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Bryn says he's going to be uh, staying in Whitmore's mansion if you guys need him. Uh, the funeral's in a couple days. Uh, I think for purposes of wrapping everything up, we will fast forward to the funeral. Uh, time jump. Uh, everyone's, it's two days from, na- uh, from then. Uh, you are all rested. You're wearing black. You're standing. Uh, uh, Bryn has just finished saying... Uh, a bunch of uh, kind words about Whitmore, um, about and you guys are the only ones there, by the way. Uh, it's Bumbles, Mouse, Cashmere, Boomer, and um, Bryn, and not a single other soul, not even like a priest or anything. Um, he's being buried back in the family plot uh, by his parents. Uh, well, not by his parents because they were incinerated in a plane crash, but uh, by his parents' uh, gravestones. Um, you know, Bryn f- finishes. It's very short what Bryn has to say. He just, you know, says, like, he was a good man. You know, Whitmore was a good man. He made me the man I am today. Uh, he always just wanted to help make the world a better place. And I'm sorry that I failed him. And, uh, you know, he, like, puts the first bit of, like, dirt on Whitmore's uh, uh, casket. And he goes, uh, I'll be inside. And he starts walking up towards the mansion. I uh, I put another handful of dirt on the on the casket, and uh, I, I'll lean down real close and I say, "You are the coolest guy," <laughs> and I head towards the mansion. Uh, Boomer walks up, looks at the casket. Well, Mister Whitmore, not a man of many words, but uh, I'm glad somebody out there gives a frag to do what you were doing. Rest easy. And he puts another handful of dirt. Cash walks up and grabs a handful of dirt and says, Thanks for the comfort. Uh, it didn't do much, but it did help. And tosses it and walks. A mouse is standing there alone. She picks up a handful of dirt, thinking it's a very inefficient way to bury a casket. <laughs> <laughs> and then... Wonders why everybody's talking to it. <laughs> if you can hear me, 
I'm glad you were my friend. I'm sorry we didn't save you. We'll take good care of Bryn. <laughs> okay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> so, I imagine we all walk inside. Yep. Uh, with Bryn. Uh, Bryn's sitting uh, uh, in one of the dining halls uh, with uh, a bottle of scotch in front of him. <laughs> I walk up to him. My three best friends behind me. Say, <laughs> All right, boss. What's next? <laughs> Roll credits. No. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, he sits there uh, uh, dumbfounded for a second and then grins and nods and goes, I think it's time for a little vacation and uh, we can talk business tomorrow. Until then, and he like gestures at the uh, five glasses or glasses of scotch he's poured. To Whitmore. And he raises up a glass. To Whitmore. To Whitmore. To Whitmore. To Whitmore. <laughs> all right. I'll say it loud and loud. To Whitmore. <laughs> uh, you all drink. Uh, you you hang out with Bryn for a little bit. It's not like a super like jaunty like wake or anything like that. It's more just like he tells you a little bit more about like the times when they were good with him and Whitmore and uh, like his sister Anna. He tells you a little bit about himself. Um, and then he does uh, as you guys are leaving. He does like say like he asks like, are we are we doing this? Are we continuing Whitmore's fight? Well, yeah, now that we're on salary. <laughs> Boomer! Well, I'm joking. Am I? <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I can't tell. <laughs> I mean, I don't see why not. I don't think I would have gone to space otherwise. <laughs> Whitmore did make a promise. Uh, this is all stuff we can iron out later. Uh, I'm glad I can count on you guys. And he shakes each of your hands, uh, gives... Bumble's a hug. It's a good hug. <laughs> um, and then he's like, get home safe. Or you guys can stay here if you want. It's up to you. I appreciate it, but uh, my bed's calling to me. <laughs> my bed is generally a bit more comforting than this bed. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a pool? Yes. Want to go swimming? Do I? Yes. Uh, you just see Boomer suit on the floor. <laughs> All right, so you guys go swimming for a little while. Uh, does anyone ever return back to their home, or does everyone just yes. end up crashing at Whitmore's? Uh, yes, I go back. Yeah, I go home. All right, um, Bumble's mouse. Are you guys staying at Whitmore's, or? Um, well, I can't drive, <laughs> so somebody would have to drive me home. I'll, I'll um, take you home. All right, yeah, I stay at Whitmore's. Okay. Bumbles and Bryn stay at Whitmore's. Uh, it's a good night. And um, uh, Mouse, uh, you get driven. Are you going home or to Docks? Um, I guess home. I haven't been there in like a week. Okay. Uh, you get dropped off at home. Uh, Cashmere, you go back. Um, life proceeds as normal, uh, except for uh, two instances. Um, that night, Cashmere, you have a dream. Uh, <laughs> that uh, dark-haired woman is there, and um, uh, you're you're. It's like a dream that you have less control of. It is just like a sexual fantasy that you're having with this with this woman, um, and uh, you know it's like a good dream, but it's also like it's weird. Like you don't feel that much in control. It's it's some, there's like something wrong about it a little bit, 
And it's like uh, hooking up with an ex. But like, yeah, it's just like a fleeting dream. But uh, right uh, near the end of the dream, uh, she's uh, you know you you're uh, coiled up with each other, and uh, you look in her face, and her eyes glow like headlights, and then you wake up. Uh, <sighs> Well, at least it's sort of sex. <laughs> uh, Mouse, uh, the next time you go to docks, uh, you, uh, you know, you're going and, you know, things are starting to, like, get back in place. Uh, Bryn basically has put you guys on, like, a, you know, one-month vacation. Like, he's like, I'm going to line some stuff up. We're going to talk through, like, the logistics of, like, continuing with Whitmore's estate, which was left to Bryn entirely in his will. Um, and... Uh, you know, that, that's all going to get ironed out. But for right now, you guys are just like, he's just like, relax for a month. You know, you guys saved the world, that kind of thing. <laughs> Global heroes. Um, he does, uh, uh, he does, Kashmir, uh, contact you, uh, showing you the uh, news bulletin and several other news bulletins from the past uh, that had already aired, uh, showing your face and your name. And it is a different face. Uh, he has gone and edited it and... Uh, uh, he's changed all of the things that make Sora Matasara uh, an entity, uh, and none of those things are you anymore. Uh, he has created a complete fake Sora Matasara. The only person who could probably recognize you, at the, like know who you really are, are your team and your father, and maybe like a couple people at, at Mitsuhama who you interacted with. Uh, you can go ahead and remove your corporate sin negative quality. I am just cashmere. <laughs> um, uh, Bumbles, uh, you're the only one who has any insight as to what Bryn's up to during this month because you're spending some time with him. Yeah. Uh, you're actually uh, helping him uh, like line up some jobs. He's like, you know, you're you're basically like rebuilding the. Uh, you and him work together on the. Uh, uh, on the hub to get it back up and operational. Um, you make, you personally make some changes to some of the facilities, uh, <laughs> in, uh, in, in Whitmore's, uh, estate, you do start to create a workshop there. If there's a way to rig it into this house, I make it happen. All right. You do that. You make it, you make the house rigger compatible. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, Boomer, uh, you get that drink with Yama. He, uh, he has a, a beer with you. Um, Show off my radiation scar. Yeah, it's, you know, radiation Doc, wound. Doc was able to, like, patch it up a bit, but you definitely have, like, a noticeable scar on the side of your face. It's not going away. Uh, I don't even care. I'm proud of it. Yama's proud of it, too. And he, he asks you over and over again to repeat the story of, like, your fight with Hellion on the space station. It gets more and more dramatic with each telling. <laughs> and, and in every telling, Boomer strikes the killing blow. <laughs> <laughs> I just, I got up and he was dead. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And uh, Mouse, when you return to uh, Doc's clinic, um, you know, you're going to help him. Like you're, you're trying to get back into business as usual, you know, and uh, uh, you're going, you you brought him, like you got some baked goods from Boomer and you're going to bring them to, uh, uh, to Doc's. And um, as you're, uh, as you're entering the clinic, you notice something out of the corner of your eye and, uh, you know, you're just kind of like glancing casually that way and you uh, see something and turn away without really thinking uh, and then you like are confused for a second because what you just saw was your own face across the street. Uh, and there was definitely someone across the street like in an alley like standing there like it looked like a woman uh, maybe possibly a little older than you. Uh, she had blonde hair. Um, she was wearing like a black trench coat. Um, and black like gloves and uh, she's just standing there like 
watch. She was looking right at you and you like freak out for a second because you just like saw that and like glanced away without really processing it. And as soon as you realize like what you just saw, you look back and she's not there anymore. Um, and, uh, that's where we're going to end the campaign. <laughs> what? <laughs> Series two. All right. Welcome to Post Game Chatter. We just finished recording series two. We have the whole cast here. We're going to talk a little bit about how we feel about it. So let's go ahead and make sure. Everyone can recognize people's not character voices that we don't. How do I get out of British? (laughs) (laughs) I was Um, barely in British the whole time. (laughs) So, so uh, uh, I'm Tommy. I'm a game master. I should sound relatively the same as how you've been hearing me the whole series. I'm Addie. I played Mouse. I also didn't sound that different. I'm Dan. I played Bumbles. I probably sound different. I'm Roman. I played Kashmir. My, I think my voice was pretty well interspersed. <laughs> uh, and I'm Covert. I played Boomer, and I sound a little different. A little bit. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, so, yeah, this is uh, the segment where we uh, just, you know, talk about what just happened. Uh, it's kind of like a words with the DM retroactively. Uh, we can ask each other questions. Uh, we can just talk about what we liked, what we didn't like. Um, and after we're done talking about this, uh, we will move on to the second segment of Post Game Chatter, where we answer questions from the listeners. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, anyone have anything they want to say right off the bat? Did you guys like it? Was that a... Yeah, that was so was fucking cool. cool. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> from tip. For future games, if you're playing a combat character and you have kamikaze on your person, you're going up against the campaign, big bad, you should probably use the kamikaze. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was an oversight on your part not to use that kamikaze. Honestly, it felt like the campaign, big bad, was the space station. <laughs> <laughs> like, we destroyed Hellion well, almost the, immediately. I mean, we did use like, I mean, the thing is, like, like <laughs> we got Hellion... Like relatively quickly, but he still he took Mouse completely out of the fight. Yep. He nearly I don't know how close he came to killing Boomer. He did a significant amount of damage to Boomer. Um, <laughs> Which I did my job tanking, so that, that <laughs> yeah. my character choice had a tactical, you know. <laughs> yeah. And I had to burn my one edge to get him close enough to death that somebody could kill him. Oh man, he had one physical box left, and then the next day da- when he blocked, uh, when he soaked up. Uh, boomers katana uh that put him to two remaining physical stun like i was like just anyone needs to hit him with anything and he's fucked and then q cashmere just electrocuting the fuck out of him yeah luckily i had done what i needed to do well beforehand (laughs) though i think it had a lot more worse ramifications than i had thought of when i did it And, and i thought uh he was low enough You'd have enough negative penalties and stuff. I'd be able to. Yeah. Well, I mean, yes, it's a damage soak, right? So the damage soak actually doesn't suffer from negative penalties from wounds. You just you just mm. soak up the damage. You manage to just like smack him down. He he may have even possibly been able to dodge you, uh, just because he's insane. I made an insane character in Hellion. Uh, my favorite, my, my little evil trick with Hellion was uh, was the knives which was uh, they were uh, alchemical preparations. Uh, he took the adept power that lets him to, 
that allows him to learn one spell, and he learned decrease intuition uh, as an alchemical preparation so that he could put it in his knives with the uh, with the command word. So when he hit people with it, he could then immobilize them uh, by lowering their intuition. Mm. <coughs> You're welcome, Bumbles. That was pretty rough. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> uh, Boomer taking that for me. Very I mean, important. Very, very important. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. I was like, who's he going to hit? I'm like, he's smart enough to target the two smart people who can, like, stop what he's trying to do. He thinks he can take Boomer in a fight, and uh, he's banking on the, like, magically void area of space <laughs> to hinder Kashmir enough that he can take on the two of them if he eliminates the one in charge of the giant swarm of drones that blew up his helicopter and the obviously skilled uh, hacker who did brick his deck. Yeah, did he suffer... Um Dumb shock? Yeah. He resisted it. Oh, God damn it. <laughs> um, he's got pretty high willpower and I a pretty good firewall. Uh, but yeah, you did brick his deck, uh, which made yeah. him resort to more mechanical means uh, of destroying the space station. He's like, cool, I'll detonate a bomb here. I'll start you know, ripping these important components off the wall. Yeah, the hardest things were the before and after of the fight. <laughs> it was like finding him, dodging the fucking automaton that fell on me. <laughs> 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 I gave you that juggernaut specifically so that it, you guys would hide behind it and avoid getting shot by Hellion's trap. I was like, that's exactly what I wanted you to do with that. Because <laughs> well I was like, otherwise you're going to like just get shot to shit by the millions of turrets. <laughs> yeah, and I couldn't access the security panels until I could get to a turret. Yeah, yeah, that was good. Uh, and I guess we can talk about some of the cliffhangers. Uh, uh, yeah, I've got a few questions. Uh, seeing as, uh, seeing as uh, by the time people submit their questions for post-game chatter, they won't um, have a chance to really ask about, ask about the cliffhangers. Because sure. they'll be like, surely these uh, story threads will be resolved in this series? No, they're not. Uh, I, I wanted to keep some, uh, some themes ambiguous, uh, open to interpretation, and also available for exploration if we ever return to Shadowrun on the podcast with uh, some or all of these characters. I, I wanted to kind of have those moments. So, yeah. Apparently, there's at least two me's <laughs> out there in the world. One of whom Other works than for me. Evo. Kashmir is banging Grendelfug. <laughs> Dreams. Yeah, no, I don't even know what I'm banging. <laughs> I'm still considering it friends with benefits. I don't know. He might be gr- banging Grendelfog. Oh, an evil entity that's not Grundlefug. Ooh, I think we're just Grundlefucking. <laughs> that's gross. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't want it to happen. I was like, fine, I'll take your power. And she's like, good, we have to have sex in this airplane bathroom. I was like, uh, that seems like a weird way to transfer it. <laughs> Let's see, uh, in the uh, in the last like couple episodes of the finale, did anyone have a favorite spot, a uh, favorite part? Uh, let's uh, Let's go in reverse order from introductions. Boomer. Kashmir lightning bolting and killing the uh, uh, killing Hellion, but not because it was awesome, but just because up leading up to that, Kashmir was so like, oh, I don't know if I'm should be a runner. I don't know if I'm going to be any good at this. And all of a sudden, he casts a super powerful lightning bolt in space <laughs> and kills the big bad. So I I thought that was a really cool. Uh, I, not just action moment, but in a way a character defining moment yeah. for him. Yeah. 
what about you, uh, Roman? What was your favorite part? I think my, my very favorite moment of the last few episodes was when Bryn has pieced together the Hellions going to space. And so Dan, the whole damn time, has been like, I've got points in pilot aerospace. I want to go to space. And the whole time, Tommy's like, no, we shouldn't. And I'm like, yeah, my magic doesn't work up there. And Tommy's like, yeah, we're not going to go to space. Apparently being something that had been planned from the beginning. From the beginning. The from one constant. One, the one thing I knew was <laughs> that you guys were going to end up at Zurich Orbital. That was the like thing I knew was going to happen. Yeah, so my very favorite was the payoff of that like series-long like inside joke between us that's like spilled over a little bit to the actual podcast of like wait so he's going to space what should we do and Bumbles is over here like oh my god you guys I'm like Bumbles I'm sorry we're thinking about this right now what so he's going to space right and just like <laughs> holding Bumbles down until the exclamation of guys I really don't think you've gotten to know me at all <laughs> <laughs> It was my favorite, my very favorite part was that exclamation. Uh, what, what about you, uh, Dan or uh, Bubbles? Um, I think that part, uh, for different reasons, was my favorite part. Um, when we find out, like, oh, we're actually going to space, was, like, the whole time I'm sitting there, like, shaking my fists and, like, I know what's going on. I know what he's going to do. Like, we have to go to space. I can take us to space to stop him. My favorite part is that, like, literally for weeks outside of the podcast i've been texting tommy like jokes of like all right so if we go to space we can actually and like yeah because you're like evo has a has a mars base i just found out so obviously something is going on on mars i want to know what's going on mars and why the campaign ends on mars yeah <laughs> and i've just been like texting him constantly about like yeah we're going to space of course we're going to space we're going to space tommy. and then like for it to pay off like and not just that the whole time tommy you've been like no, you're not going to space. And the character creation, I was like, Bumbles needs to be able to pilot anything, including spacecraft. And you're like, you're not going to ever fly a spaceship. And I was like, I still want the point. And you're like, fine, take it. Yeah. And then to finally, after all that comes, you're like, I get to fly a spaceship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're going to space. <laughs> yeah, uh, the, when I made your character, I was like, you're not going to space. I'm not going to do a campaign in space. That's stupid. Uh, and then after like, we finished making all the characters, and I was like, okay, I have to actually figure out what this campaign is going to be. I was talking with a friend, and uh, the one thing I said was like, ah, yeah, you know, i got to figure out what this Hellion guy wants to do. You know, he's going to like, try to screw over the corpse. Uh, and then like, I went off on a tangent about how like, you wanted to go to space. I'm like, but that's not going to happen. And my friend was like, why not? And I was like, well, like, if they're going to act against the corpse, why are they going to go to space? I mean, what are the corpse have in, oh, they have Zurich Orbital. Actually, that would be really brutal because he'd be like destroying the corporate court and ah, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> We're going to space. That's going to happen. <laughs> uh, what about you, uh, uh, Addy? For my character, I my favorite moment was definitely um, being in the hub post-Hellion. Oh, yeah. With all the smileys and it was like so scary and like Mouse has a phobia of black ice. Mm -hmm. So like just being like, okay. And Bryn's just like, do this. And she's like, ah, and does it. And then do this. Ah, <laughs> jack out. Ah. Um, but yeah, I realized you were like frozen and I was like, oh shit. Well, Bryn would yell at her at this point. And yeah. so I was like, move mouse, move your ass. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so my favorite part um, is that, uh, so there's, there's a shadow run term uh, called pink mohawk. Uh, it's a term that uh, that runners use. There's there's different ways that jobs can go. If 
it's a black trench coat type job. Um, that means like you're in and out and no one notices, right? You're just like, you know, everything was stealthy and clean. Um, so some jobs are black trench coat jobs. Like you're supposed, you're expected to behave that way. Um, then there's like mirror shades jobs, which are like sneak in and shoot your way out. Uh, some jobs are, are designed to be like mirror shades jobs. And then there's pink mohawk jobs, which is shoot your way in, shoot your way out, shoot a little bit in between, whatever you want. <laughs> it's like, it's like, uh, places like Redmond are good for like, uh, for pink mohawk jobs. And, um, Covert and I have played a lot of Shadowrun together, and we fucking love Pink Mohawk like like sessions. Like we 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 can't get away from it. We always just like just like going wild because Shadowrun has so many things. Like take Bumbles for instance; he's a great character when everything goes to hell and he gets to blow everything up. Outside of that, like he's you know it's like oh I have all these dice that I can roll for like blowing shit up, but I'm not going to blow anything up because that we'd, we'd be in trouble if we did that. Um, <laughs> so like this whole like campaign, I've been like keeping it as, as like trench coat or mirror shades as possible, like trying to keep it like, you know, you guys are expected to perform as professionals. Basically, like once you guys hit Whitmore, like once you made it to Whitmore, I could start going pink mohawk because that's when everything else happens. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was like super excited because like pink mohawk is like the eighties action movie aspect of Shadowrun that <laughs> you can like, you can totally have a pink mohawk campaign where everything is just like, Furious 7 the entire time. <laughs> Throw all caution to the wind and just have a stupidly, like, uh, absurd, like, 80s movie t- uh, type ending to the campaign where, like, you're working for Batman and you're fighting someone who's kind of like a mix between Tyler Durden and the Joker. <laughs> waiting for uh, his name was Robert Paulson to come up. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so that was that was my favorite part. Finally, like, just the, the whole sprint to the finish line there uh, where I got to just dump a bunch of information on you guys and be like have fun in space blowing up a space station (laughs) (laughs) i think um i think one of the things um the overall my favorite thing about the campaign was that like as soon as we hit whitmore and like it was like pretty obvious like really quickly it was like oh we're working for batman and he's got a bat cave and he's got oracle and we're fighting the joker and you were like the whole time you're like i'm leaning real hard into it (laughs) and like these things kept coming up that like could be seen as like these action movie like or comic book cliches and they never felt cliched like he's taking a space station hostage to screw the corporations it's like well of course he is why wouldn't he he's a crazy person who can go to space yeah it all felt like really genuine oh that's good i was worried about that i honestly was no like every time something came up that like in the back of my head like having taken writing classes is like well that's kind of cliched but like everything i'm like feeling about it is like this feels very genuine and high stakes and like this makes sense and is awesome yay that makes me happy because i was definitely worried that like it was just going to be a little too ridiculous <laughs> no it was awesome <laughs> yeah something i will say about the system i thought was really interesting yeah like shadow as a whole is like how like how on the razor's edge it feels like boomer and i got two shot like sure i'll get two shot but boomer also got two shot yeah. Like by like a mage, I like protected against pretty well, and then a sniper just like that. Like none of us had any way to like really see. Like yeah. we had ways, but like it would have taken some really good to get in there. And that both for Kashmir and me as a player sort of showed me the stakes of like, oh, you're permanently burning this resource that you use all the time and you love. 
uh, and you can't do that too many more times in a way that like D and D really doesn't. Like when you go down, you generally like can get back up in a couple turns. Someone will heal you or something. Yeah. Um, but like that didn't happen. But then the other side of that coin is Hellion. We just ripped apart in a way that like a Dungeons and Dragons, a dragon will have like a couple hundred hit points. Yeah. Hellion is uh, he's got <laughs> yeah. a decent amount of physical yeah, like, boxes, but he's, but he's still human. Like, he's, yeah, that he's character just a was guy. Nuts, but he is still just a guy. Yeah. Yeah. And if you guys smack down on him, he doesn't get to dodge. Right. Yeah. <laughs> he rolls like 17 dice to dodge and you <laughs> smacked him down to like I, a minus three. Mm-hmm. I think had the juggernaut not been so damaged, I would have one shot him. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. Uh, let's go ahead and move on uh, into uh, questions from the listeners. Uh, we got a few of them, and we're excited to go through them. So for our first question, it, we have a question from Doug, who we actually met uh, and had lunch with randomly <laughs> at Gen Con. Yeah, Doug. Um, hey, Doug. Who, What's up, Doug? <laughs> he just kind of sat, he, you know, we had a couple extra chairs at our table, so he sat down uh, and uh, asked us about our t-shirts, I think. We yeah. were wearing Essential NPCs t-shirts, and then we pitched the podcast to him, and apparently he's liking it. Yeah. So thanks, Doug. <laughs> uh, so our first question is, um, I assumed the latest version of Shadowrun was used for the game. Is this correct? Yes. <laughs> uh, and do you, Tommy, prefer this version over any previous ones? Oh, God. I can talk for so long about it. I'll try to be quick. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, yeah, I, I do prefer this one. I've only actually played uh, Shadowrun 4th uh, Edition before this one. I do understand the differences. 4th uh, Edition tried something a little bit different from like the previous editions. They did a few different things. Like the, the Matrix went wireless, stuff like that. Because like, before, the Matrix was very much like hardline. Then they went wireless. And see, uh, apparently, 4th Edition overcorrected a bit. And made some of the hacking rules absolutely ridiculous. It got to the point where anyone with a comlink and the right programs could be a decker, and it almost deleted the decker class as like an archetype. Um, and then also, you, you get like you just spent money to get improve your deck. You didn't have to have skills. You just it was all money based to be a hacker, which is weird. So that's basically like a rigor now. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> um, so that what fifth edition did, in my opinion, is it took those. Uh, ideas of like the wireless matrix and all these cool things and like uh, from fourth edition and streamlined them and uh, really improved on them and in my opinion uh, between those two the two that I've played at least fifth edition significantly better it has everything good that fourth edition had and fixes so much about what was wrong with fourth edition so yeah I definitely prefer this version Uh, and I know Covert's played a lot of Shadowrun Um, so do you uh, prefer this one to previous versions yes (laughs) cool All right. next question (laughs) sums up that pretty nice fifth edition preferred over fourth um the next question, also from Doug, is, is there any obscure or, or older game systems each of you would like to be run in the future, I'm assuming, on the podcast? <laughs> so I have one, but so there's a couple versions of an old Fallout-based RPG, sort of based in the Fallout world, if you're familiar with that. Um, and I played one in college. And when I say played one, I mean me and my floor mates downloaded this real bootleg PDF 
and like played one session of it and we killed a couple of rad roaches and I was a robot. <laughs> so it was a lot of fun, not very high level. Uh, and uh, again, from what I hear, just real, uh, real sketchy, which would probably make for a fun, like short series. So that would be one I would like to see uh, further down the line that it would be fun to run. Do you remember what it was called? The f- Fallout RPG. Yeah. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Um, I don't know if it's particularly obscure. It's definitely smaller than like Shadowrun and D&D, but I've actually been really interested in getting to run the Dresden Files RPG. Uh, I think the world is really cool. It's a great book series by a guy named Gene Butcher. I highly recommend go check it out. Uh, But it's a sort of modern urban fantasy. The main character of the books is a private detective wizard. Um, And the, the, the RPG system is set in Chicago, which is really cool, where we are. Nice. And you can be, like, whatever you want. You can be a normal person with a shotgun. You can be a wizard throwing fireballs. You can be a werewolf. You can be (laughs) a vampire. Like, you can be all these really cool things and do cool magic in Chicago. Nice. Yeah, and that's based on the fate system or the fudge system. Yeah, I think the mechanics are... So it's, like, the main fate uh, mode out right now. Yeah. Yeah, that's a really fun... That that sounds really fun. That too. system is great. Yeah, uh, covert. What about you? So many <laughs> oh um, obscure and older games are covert's jam. <laughs> well, maybe obscure, but mostly because um, don't get me wrong. I love playing D D and D and Shadowrun, all the you know more mainstream stuff. I just like branching out and checking out other settings and seeing what kind of trouble I can get into there. So um, there's one called Atomic Highway. It's uh, it's actually free. It's a free PDF online. Like they they said, here you go. You can buy a book, but um, we have a PDF. Uh, really interesting post-apocalypse, like rules for creating vehicles of, um, and, and vehicle chases. Very Mad Max. Uh, Another one that I always thought was cool, never got a chance to play, was um, a Borderlands Apocalypse World hack, <gasps> powered by the Apocalypse, called No Rest for the Wicked, also for your PDF. Um, it's really neat. It's got rules for generating guns, so you got that crazy random gun deal you got going on in Borderlands. Um, oh, that's so as cool. well as <laughs> Yeah, and they got character sheets for most of the different classes that you can play throughout the series and then i wouldn't say it's really obscure seventh c very narrative based uh renaissance slash 1600s to 1700s based uh based on not europe wink <laughs> <laughs> i think that'd be real cool play I'll, I'll i'll keep it at that just because <laughs> i can go on forever about that shit <laughs> And Tommy, what about you? A one that I know we can't play on the podcast is Dread. It's it's not super obscure. Uh, it, like it had some time on tabletop, for instance. So a lot of people know about it. But it's it's a horror narrative based game where instead of rolling dice or doing anything uh, in those ways, like you don't have a stat block, even you just do stuff. And every time you want to do something, you have to draw a block out of a Jenga tower. And if you knock over the Jenga tower, 
your character dies. <laughs> and I've played that before, and it is the most intense game of Jenga I've ever had. Like, at the first bit, you're like, oh, yeah, we're cool. We're gonna, you know, and you're drawing a bunch of stuff to, like, you know, like, perception checks and shit. And then you get near the end when, like, shit's actually getting, like, true horror movie terrifying. And you have to run away from, like, a big bad, and you guys have stripped the tower to almost nothing. And you're touching it, and it's almost toppling. You're like, ah! <laughs> and, uh, like, first time uh, the t- uh, dropped when I played it, like, first time the tower dropped, like, I ran out of the room. I was like, no! <laughs> it was just too intense. Um, and that's not one that we could play on the on the podcast, because obviously the tension of drawing out of the Jenga tower. It's a very tower. large yeah. visual element. Yes. Yeah, if we ever jumped into a visual medium, like a like a Twitch live stream or something like that, then we could totally play that as yeah, like a one Yeah, that's on the top shot. of our list. But, like, um, if we ever do anything visual, definitely going to play Dread. Yeah, definitely. What about you? You got any? Um. Yeah, I actually did a whole lot of work uh, trying to figure out what we were going to do for Series 3. And, you know, so I I tapped a lot of ones uh, that are like Call of Cthulhu. And then I thought maybe we would do um, like Uncharted Worlds or we considered uh, Apocalypse world and and all these other ones um and i thought for half a second about the new rifts but it still just is broken um (laughs) uh, but there is one that's like completely obscure that no one has ever heard of i think i'm probably the only person who has um and it's called flat pack what? <laughs> um, and oh yeah, flat pack. Sure. <laughs> uh, and basically, it's sort of like Fallout, um, where you uh, are vault dwellers, but not like the vault dweller. You're like the builder vault dweller, Ooh. and that you come out and like you have to rebuild the world using you know like your artistic talents and all these flat packs that they like left for you before the apocalypse. Um, and so you're literally like building the perfect like utopia Hmm. um which is really cool um i couldn't figure out how to play it uh (laughs) because we never had time to test it out are we rpg hipsters maybe (laughs) i think we're just rpgers yeah liking liking old and obscure rpgs is not something to in the the rpg culture it's not like i think you have to like only mainstream stuff to be an rpg hipster yeah (laughs) that's that's probably more like it holy shit <laughs> I think I think we just did two different things because I'm pretty sure Covert was like, "Holy shit, you're right," and I was like, "Holy shit, I'm an RPG hipster." <laughs> uh, the next question comes from Steven. He says, "My question is, which books, other than the core books for Shadowrun, would be especially useful for a group that's just starting out? And also, what are some good general tips for a first-time GM?" Mm, yeah, I, I read Stephen's email. He mentioned he was he was starting out. Uh, he was thinking about starting out a Shadowrun campaign. Um, good on you, man. Yeah, uh, that's super intimidating. <laughs> yeah. uh, the core book is obviously all you really need, um, but I will say. The first thing to go to after that would probably be Run and Gun. Uh, Run and Gun is the is uh, mostly just 
a bunch of new equipment. It has some other stuff too. It has like some special called shots and unique combat rules and everything. But the bread and butter of running gun is just like more guns, more armor, stuff like that. Um, I would say that's that's definitely a, a go-to. It's very easy to integrate into your game uh, without having to learn a lot of new rules. Um, the one after that might be run faster if you want to get a little crazy. It does have a shitload of positive and negative qualities, which are like one of my favorite things in Shadowrun. Um, but I only recommend using like a fraction of run faster if you're starting out because there's a lot of weird meta variants and all sorts of other like really out there rules in run faster. So I'd say running gun is, is the go-to. Um, and if your mage is interested, toss him a copy of uh, Street Grimoire. Yeah, Street Grimoire actually just came back into print. It was out of print for so long. Um, but yeah, uh, Street Grimoire has a lot of great uh, spellcasting rules. Mm -hmm. So if you have someone who's like not super intimidated by a lot of the uh, a lot of the magic stuff, like if you have a mage who's really into it, Street Grimoire, just toss it at him and let him tell you what's in it. Yeah, because it's, <laughs> it's basically like if you know what a spell is, that's just different spells and yeah. like different traditions. It's like, oh, okay, this and it is does just expand. More. On the like yeah. the world of magic in Shadowrun, which in ways that you don't get from the core book, it helps explain how magic kind of integrates with the rest of the world. It's super interesting, actually. Also, really turn to goo is no, in Street no, Grimoire. Fuck turn to goo. <laughs> it's a spell that turns things to goo. In case you're wondering, fuck. I ban it at my table. <laughs> I, think that, um, I think that's what's happening to Kashmir. <laughs> uh, some not books, but tools. Also uh, for the GM is. Um, uh, the Show screen, me. which is a great quick, quick reference guide, yep, the GM screen. Because the quick reference in the book is kind of hard to get to. Yeah. And then, uh, and then Chummer 5, um, which is how you build characters without going insane. Oh, yeah. 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 Definitely. For general tips for GM starting out. You get download Chummer Five. I can't imagine making a Shadowrun character without Chummer Five. Uh, it's free. Just search Chummer Five on on Google. You'll find it. You can actually uh, adjust it to include certain source books. So as you integrate new source books into your campaign, you can just open up the the preferences and in, include that stuff. Uh, otherwise, you can just have it start at vanilla. It it helps make character creation, which is the hardest part of Shadowrun. Uh, a little easier because it helps you manage all of the things you have to deal with to make a character. Um, and then after you save the character, you actually get to use that as an interactable uh, character sheet. Like you can take your damage in Chummer and it will adjust your dice pools appropriately. Um, Any other tips for the beginning GM? Take rules with a grain of salt. That's for like all RPGs, but with Shadowrun, they have some weird specific rules that you don't necessarily need to use. Like, I remember when I read through the rulebook, there was, like, rules for buoyancy. I don't I, I don't think 5th edition has that, but 4th edition definitely had that, which was, like, elves can float for slightly longer than trolls can, and awesome. uh, and, like, there were actually, like, timed rules for how long they had to float before they had to roll for exhaustion, and I was like, fuck that, I'm not using that. Um, so, I, I, I say, you know, Take the take the rules with a with a grain of salt and adjust where needed, uh, so that the game doesn't get bogged down in the rules, which is a which is a real concern with Shadowrun. It's really easy to end up just focusing on rules. Another important thing is discuss what kind of game you want to play with your players. Yeah. Just because of the nature of Shadowrun, uh, you know, somebody could make a character for high octane, you know, pink mohawk. Mm -hmm. You might have something. Uh, more mirror shades, trench coaty, you know, do not get in a firefight unless it's the last thing you want to do sort of campaign. Uh, 
Because that could be bad. Pink Mohawk characters in stealthy games and stealthy <laughs> characters in Pink Mohawk. Yeah. It gets kind of boring just because uh, what you're geared for. So definitely yeah. discuss with your players what kind of campaign you're going to run so they can prepare a little bit better. I mean, because... yeah, you, you got to remember that uh, the Johnsons pick their teams, right? So, like, if this is a team that is marketable, they have skill sets that coincide and they're given jobs that befit their team, like their skills. So it, you got to make sure everyone kind of, like, jives with each other to have a, a fun campaign where someone doesn't feel left out or, uh, like, weaker than the other players. Um but uh, uh, moving on to uh, some more questions, uh, we have uh, uh, some questions from Gordon. Um, Gordon asked, uh, <laughs> who came up with Mouse's backstory? Addy or Tommy? Mouse doesn't have a backstory. No. No, Mouse totally has a backstory. Yeah. Uh, Addy actually came up with most of it. I had to ask, ask her a lot of questions um, to I, get make sure I understood what Mouse's backstory was. I, I came up with a lot of broad strokes and was like, is this allowed? Is this allowed? Is, is this allowed? It was like a two-month process fine-tuning Mouse's backstory so that it made sense. Yeah. I think there were charts involved. There weren't any charts. There were charts. <laughs> I was just about to say, I do not believe you if you say there were no charts. <laughs> How do you make a character without any charts? <laughs> yeah, Mouse's backstory is intricate and very well-known with both Addie and I, and I'd like to uh, commend Addie on her ability not to metagame and, uh, and truly make her character seem as clueless about her backstory as she is uh, because Addie probably knows Mouse's backstory better than I do and I probably if, if we ever revisit Shadow and then begin to explore uh, Mouse's backstory I'm going to have to ask Addie for some clarifications <laughs> <laughs> another question from Gordon is uh, other than your own character which other character would you like to play uh, this is a question that we got in series one also um, let's start with Roman Boomer <laughs> is there any questions? I, I've I've sort of had a in overall uh, in RPGs recently have had a um, a tendency towards more uh, beat 'em up characters a little bit just because <laughs> I I feel like I generally play the like talky guy uh, and also because being a goddamn Shadowrun mage was real difficult and intricate. <laughs> yeah. So I'd love to just take a good shot at somebody. That sounds that sounds cool. I'd love to beat a spirit to death with my bare hands. <laughs> Not having to banish it. Yeah. Banish and then resist the drain. No, just hit it in the face. <laughs> what about you, Dan? Um, I think for me it's a tie between Mouse and Cashmere. Uh, a large part of that is... Both of them are humans, which have insane edge, and yeah. you can use it without any drawbacks. <laughs> what about you, uh, Addy? Uh, I actually would have liked to play Bumbles because Bumbles is much more my typical character. <laughs> um, I, I generally play the the support character slash you know the generalist potentially face character and so like bumbles is just like a little bit of home really. <laughs> yeah you intentionally made like since you always play characters who have the ability to like socialize you intentionally made mouse incapable of doing that yeah yeah i i made mouse incapable of being like like 
smart. Like she's smart, but I, I made her like not able to like do she's anything. Not wise. Yeah. <laughs> no, no wisdom, no, for, for, you know, charisma. If we're going through stats of, of D and D, um, you know, specifically. So she would like not be a, be a face slash support character. Um, and so I would definitely play Bumbles. Hashtag support for life. Uh, what about you, uh, Covert? Alien. <laughs> <laughs> That's cashmere, actually. Yeah. <laughs> if it's going to be one of the other PCs, that's really hard because um, I don't read Shadowrun rules very much. <laughs> I love Shadowrun. I don't know how it's played. <laughs> I just, I'm just vaguely aware that some people shoot lightning bolts, and because like I start reading and then it, then. I just end up reading the same sentence over and over. It's just <laughs> so much to it. Like, I, I prefer the lighter systems, but uh, Shadowrun settings just way too cool to not play. So, uh, yeah, Hellion's a good choice. He's pretty powerful. <laughs> um, next question from uh, from Gordon is: How far back do your essential NPCs go? Like Bryn, Grundlefug, and the Goliath slash trolls. Uh, Lock them in grep. Uh, how many games have they shown up in? Uh, um, Addy, most of these characters are your creation. <laughs> um, yeah. So other than Grundle Fug, those are all mine. And they all started last season. Um, we, I didn't even have a name for Lock'em and Grep until like episode 14. Yeah, when we revisited. <laughs> and, and they and finally <laughs> asked what their names were. <laughs> for the longest time, they were just the nameless Goliaths. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a, hello, <laughs> I'm a nameless Goliath. <laughs> And uh, that's all it was. Yeah, uh, we we tried not to bring a bunch of like because the whole like essential NPCs idea is actually something that we have done in home games. Uh, we we love drawing characters from previous games that we liked into like new games, um, but uh, we we wanted to make sure that the the essential NPCs were a natural thing between us and the listeners. That it, like people who listen to multiple series could be like, oh, I remember that character from the previous series. I wonder how it's going. Like we wanted that to be a, something we shared with the with the listeners, not not something that uh, we forced upon the listeners with our own like already established inside jokes. The exception of which was Grundlefug. Yeah, <laughs> that was the one I was like, I, we gotta have Grundlefug though. <laughs> to a much lesser extent, Anna. Anna and. And uh, Lariel, who That's was true. previously called Lariel, which yeah, was those, my PC. The, those were your PCs that you brought yeah, in. Yeah, because then, I was like, crap, I need another character. Uh. <laughs> and, and then and then I stole them and killed them in series yeah, two. So <laughs> I was so upset when you were like, yeah, they're all dead. And I was like, what? <laughs> and you're like, keep keep going, keep rolling. But I'm so, I'm but so you sad. Killed <laughs> um, uh, another question from Gordon... Mouse got pretty close to bringing God down upon herself uh, at the party while she was marauders mapping it. Tommy, have you had to deal with that before, and is it as scary as it sounds? So God is great Overwatch division, and the mechanic is uh, the more illegal shit you do in the Matrix, you accrue uh, an Overwatch score, and eventually once that Overwatch score reaches 40... Uh, Grid Overwatch is aware of what you're doing, and they fucking come down hard on you. And it, it's a way in the system for uh, basically hackers not to be able to sit in one host for like an eternity. Uh, it's supposed to make it so like every hacking run is like this this speed run where you got to like you know you got to get in and out, otherwise your Overwatch score will get too high. Um, 
I've actually never had it happen to me, um, though someone I played with has. Uh, it was just some guy I played with in a one-shot once, and he talked to me about it. Uh, as far as the rules go, it's definitely as scary as it sounds. You take a shitload of dump shock right off the bat. They don't have to roll anything. They just immediately get your physical location, and they alert the authorities of your physical location, and they come in. So it's basically, if you let your... Overwatch score hit 40, your run is done. That's it. You, it doesn't matter how good you guys are doing, you're done. Like, you guys got to get the fuck out. And your run. decker needs to be carried out. <laughs> uh, another question from, uh, from Gordon. Um, we hear Addy, uh, Tommy and Addy's favorite moments each week. To the rest of the players, what have been some of your favorite moments in this series? So we talked about some of the ones in the most recent episodes, but anything from going back a bit? Uh, let's start with Covert this time. Definitely every time Mouse stabbed shit in the face. <laughs> she, that, she that did was have usually a favorite cam. moment. Um, and, I, and I hate to use this one because it, it's my own character and stuff. But one of my favorite moments in that whole campaign was uh, when we were in the tunnels and Bumble shot the tunnel uh, around Damn, me while we were being chased mine. by the scary thing. And... I don't know what it's like for you guys, but for me as a player, uh, that was fucking terrifying. Like, <laughs> like I was rolling and like, oh shit, I got it. Uh, I'm not going to die yet. Um, yeah, you had to make a series of like four to five threshold tests to not get pinned by that rubble to some degree, and you and pulled I it off. <laughs> somehow made it. Uh, what about you, Dan? I think uh, really looking back at the whole season – my favorite moment as a player is actually in episode four. Right at the end, Boomer gives this incredible speech yeah. about, like, you know, sometimes, like, we can't do the right thing, like, and the best thing to do is, you know, like, we have to do something shitty. Like, that's what Shadowrunning is. As Bumbles, like, shoots this helpless kid in the sewer so he doesn't get eaten alive by ghouls. And actually, like, sitting there, like, at the table, like coming to the realization, like, I'm the only person who can affect the situation at all. I can't save this kid. He's going to get eaten alive by ghouls. Like, fuck, I'm about to shoot a 14-year-old. <laughs> and, like, sitting there and actually realizing that, like, I'm sitting there, like, my heart was pounding at that moment. And, like, if you go back and listen to the recording, like, I can't even say the line in character. Yeah. <laughs> I do it. Like, that was probably the most intense moment of any RPG I've ever played. Like, that was a really powerful moment for me. Yeah, that was... That was awesome. Only four episodes in, and we hit, and we hit some intense shit like that. Uh, what about you, Roman? Hi. Hi. <laughs> uh, mine, mine was probably uh, the end of... Uh, I think it's called A Man Without Honor, uh, where um, it's, again, a, a boomer speech. Um, <laughs> where, where like, there's even some funny parts, like where he's talking about baking the cake, where I saw the laughs go around the table and I personally didn't really laugh because I was in character feeling that speech so hard because I like didn't really know Boomer's backstory at all. And like, didn't, I don't know if it was out at that point, but I haven't really listened to the bonus episode. Sorry guys. Uh, <laughs> and so hearing that all come out in character as cashmere, I was just like, Oh fuck! Boomer and I are best friends. 
<laughs> so that was a really fun moment. And one mouse was trying to drag me away. I was like, no, get off. This is good. Like, <laughs> I'm, I feel so close to Boomer right now. <laughs> you guys had your special moment. Oh, yeah, we did. Um, yeah, I, feel, I definitely feel like Boomer and Cash became best friends over the course of the um, the series. Boomer we're best friends forever. <laughs> um, our next question comes from uh, Kelsey. Uh, for everyone, what would you say is the hardest part of the Shadowrun system? Uh, I've already said it, so my, my answer is creating a character. Definitely the hardest part. Uh, it, it takes... There's so many things that you could miss, and then your character won't function well. Uh, you really have to have someone who knows the rules inside and out. Uh, what about you, Addie? Um, the sheer volume of information, um, because you can pick a role and learn what your role is good at once you parse it all down. But like, we have an entire bookshelf (laughs) full of source books that I have like just scratched the surface as, and I have like seven or eight characters at this point and like, they're all different. And still, there's just so, so much stuff. Yeah. And then also holding all those dice. <laughs> it is hard. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Dan? Um, I think for me, the most difficult thing was really wrapping my head around the possibilities of this setting. Like, mm-hmm. I, me and Tommy talked a little bit about this uh, at some point, just texting back and forth during the season of, like, you can really do anything as a hacker. Like yeah. The only thing preventing you from doing it is like you're not a good enough hacker. And uh, that shows up in the gala job. Like it did not occur to me that like, yeah, we'll just hack all the cameras. It'll look like no one's there. We'll just cart all of our shit in. Like that didn't occur to me that that was a possibility. Mm. And like it's things like that that like afterwards you talked about a time. I was like, fuck, we could just hack everything. We'll hack everything and solve all of our problems. <laughs> no, we hacked, it, hacked into Tinderer. <laughs> and then on top of that, like, there's all the possibilities of what you do with hacking. And then magic also exists. Yep. <laughs> and, like, you can be a centaur who's, like, a bow hunter, but also a hacker who, like, knows magic. Like, that's, le- correct me if I'm wrong, Tommy, that's legitimately a thing you can be in Shadowrun. Yes, you, that is possible. <laughs> so for me, like... GM's discretion. <laughs> so for me, really, the most difficult thing was like just wrapping my head around the sheer amount of possibilities in the setting. Fair enough. What about you, Roman? Uh, for me, it was the like risk and danger at all times associated because like especially for me, but even for someone like Boomer who like does have armor, but like nine nine damage and I'm down, twelve damage and I'm dead uh, <laughs> for like of split between two tracks and like. For every spell I did, I had to resist damage on the stun track <laughs> just from doing the thing that I can do. <laughs> and like that's not and every time you do get damaged, you get fewer dice to roll to then do good things to like help yourself out. So I'm one of those people in RPGs who makes a dumb decision from time to time. <laughs> and like, thank goodness the dumbest one was Mouse having to hack a dating app. and not something that physically affected my combat like i will say the one in the basement i would i terribly misplayed that whole damn thing (laughs) 
and like you got, got hit. Punched. And I and yeah, no, I was one. I was like one snake roll away from getting devoured whole by a spirit. Like it's just that that living on the razor's edge is so tough. You gotta be on on your point because there's not a lot of damage and there's guns, and that is a deadly combination that you don't get in something like D and D. Yeah. What about you, Cover? I'd say a mix of Addy and Dan's reasons. Uh, like I, I like again. I like playing Shadowrun. There are so many fucking books though. <laughs> like on Shadownet, whenever I, I'd play on there, I'd see people talking about their characters and like, yeah, this new book just came out, and I got a Robo Dong now. Woo! <laughs> like that's actually a thing. That does not surprise. <laughs> Cashmere actually has one. Yes, <laughs> two. <laughs> and it's like what the fuck and I keep seeing all this shit pop up in Chummer every time I open it just <laughs> every couple of weeks like what the fuck is this so yeah there's a lot of books Yep, it's hard to kind of narrow down what you want to do sometimes so yeah there's definitely so many books Um, actually really quick going back to Steven's question about tips for uh, Shadowrun GMing uh, sit in with your characters for character creation uh, yeah, oh my God. definitely. So if, if you're yes. the one who has read through the rule book and you have the rules pretty down, d- don't trust your players to make their own character. They're going to make mistakes, and that's not their fault. It's really hard to do. So if you're there and you sit in with them and you walk them through the character creation process, it will be a lot easier for everyone. Um, next question from Kelsey uh, is uh, for Addy. Knowing your experience as a GM, uh, what would you say was the most difficult part of being a player on the podcast in a new, unfamiliar system? I actually learned to play Shadowrun about a year ago. Um, So learning it, well, learning that there was a system that had dice that were as only D6s, there were no D20s anywhere. Um, (laughs) That exists? (laughs) But as far as, like, game running, um, it was kind of a hard transition not knowing uh, just everything. Um, (laughs) You know, because either when I'm DMing, like, at public games or at conventions or at home, like, I'm the person who knows it all. And I'm the expert on the rules and all that stuff. And so then to switch to, you know, a character, and I'm like... Every, after every single recording episode, I was always like, Tommy, so if we did this, do you, how do you think that this would, like, <laughs> is, would Bryn think this? Like, um, so it's pretty be like, like a good guy? Do you, yeah, no? Okay. I <laughs> uh, never got that sort of answers. Um, that was really hard. But um, Dan actually learned Shadowrun for the podcast. Yeah, I learned it. Uh, I played like one session a month before we started recording. Yeah, and That's more than Roman got. Roman got a session, I think. <laughs> like the week of. Yeah. <laughs> um, and he actually jams uh, our home games. So yeah. that's probably, this is probably a good question to toss to him. What do you think, Dan? Um, so I, I actually have a pretty good head for rules. And like you could ask me almost any D&D rule and... I don't need to look at a book, and I'm pretty sure I can get it right off the top of my head. Like, playing Shadowrun, like like I said, like there's so many things that are possible. And like Tommy mentioned earlier, there's so many things that are there are very specific rules for. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you mentioned buoyancy. And like, <laughs> I asked once about, like, you know, like, 
what about playing with maps? And you mentioned like, well, every gun has a very well documented range increment. And like, if we play with maps, then we got to look at like, well, each square is so-and-so feet. And now, you know, well, your pistol's really good within, you know, 60 feet, let's say. But, you know, you get out to 120 feet and now it's, you know, minus one. Well, let's count out. And like, there's these crazy rules for yeah. To scale maps for Shadowrun, uh, I think it's a bad idea. Out of scale maps, sure, you know, give them some visual aids. But if you make a scale map for Shadowrun, you're just you're just asking to deal with a lot of rules that you don't necessarily have to deal with. You can just be like, I think you're at medium range. Take a minus one. (laughs) Oh, and don't forget the calculations for explosions and explosives. (laughs) Oh yes. Yeah, yeah, I just I just head rule all that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but so I, I play much more than I DM, so I don't quite have the, the same trouble with not knowing stuff that Addy does. But it is like having been in the driver's seat a significant amount, it is really cool to be on the other side of it when like someone's doing it very well in the GM screen. Like this was Aww. a great campaign to play and like it was a lot of fun. Thanks. Like I've played in, you know, enough games that were, like, not great. <laughs> Why are you looking to, at like, me? <laughs> the Wire D&D was a good idea and well executed. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, that was the biggest thing. Like, it's not super difficult for me to get into the mindset of, like, okay, I'm a player here. But it is sometimes hard to be in the mindset of, like, there's rules for that? Shit. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we have one final question to wrap it all up. This one comes from Sean Four. Oh my gosh! Uh, who is uh, in series one and is slated to be in series three? Darren Draug returns. Yeah, he gave me this question at work today. <laughs> <laughs> who? Uh, <laughs> I've got nothing. Uh, uh, what task in Shadowrun does your character roll the most dice for, and how many dice is that roll? <laughs> Give everyone a second to Everyone's remember. doing head math. Give us a second. Oh, I already know <laughs> what mine is. Mine isn't very many. <laughs> <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> uh, I'm going to save you for last, Boomer. Uh, go, go ahead, Kashmir. <laughs> uh, it's talky. Um, <laughs> probably business etiquette. <laughs> <laughs> you're not. Oh, oh your, your etiquette skill? Yeah. yeah, etiquette skill, specialization in business. And I've got my executive suit on. First yeah. impression. So... And all of that totals up to probably like sixteen dice, maybe sixteen or eighteen, there, maybe eighteen. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't get. I'm not the big dice roller. No, no, your your spirits though they get to roll. Oh, a lot my of spirits! Dice. Yeah, they're super cool. <laughs> they roll like like fourteen <laughs> dice. My spirits were the were my spirits like if we were to rank MVP on this, Eraga goes above. Uh, above Kashmir. <laughs> Kiraga and Kashmir, it really depends on the voter. <laughs> uh, what about you, Dan? Uh, so we're talking like on the sheet right now or theoretical maximum? No, no, on the, on the sheet right now. We know your theoretical maximum has no limit. <laughs> In terms of Bumble skills, it's any of his mechanic skills. Um, mm. If he's jury rigging with any mechanic skills, it's 15 dice. Spot to resist damage. <laughs> uh, I think rolls two or three fewer dice than Boomer. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. yeah. Spot yeah. rolls like 27 yep. dice to resist Remember damage. Remember that there was a grenade that blew up 
next to Spot, and Spot was like, that's pretty. Yeah, no <laughs> damage yeah. at all. But, but now I'm remembering also that Boomer was there and went, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> Boomer was not in the car. That was a really fun session when Tommy was like, there's a grenade next to your car. And like, I don't know if this comes up on the episode, but I'm just like sitting there like, okay, <laughs> who cares? <laughs> We're fine. I was really mad I didn't get to telepathically fling it at somebody. <laughs> uh, what about you, uh, Mouse? Mouse, uh, with Kreflin's help when she's data spiking with her new deck, <laughs> uh, and she has marks, uh, like full marks on the host, uh, I think somewhere around 26 or 27 She's She is really good at data spiking. Um, yes. Just ask Kellyan. <laughs> Just I mean, ask Kellyan. Well, actually, well, depending on how many hits Kreflin gets, so it could be up to... 32. But on average, it was like 27. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, Karethlin assists you with that, and then you roll a ton, and then you also, your base damage on that is absurd with your new deck, because your 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 static damage on that data spike is your attack rating, which I think can be as high as 11, if you have the right programs in. Uh, yes. Yeah. And so you have like an 11 base damage, plus 2 for every mark you have on the thing, plus whatever net hits you get on the attack roll. You murder things. <laughs> oh, well, and if hammer's in also, then another two per attack rating. Yeah. So I, could... <laughs> I bring down Google. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Boomer? My task that I'd roll highest in would be getting hit by stuff. <laughs> <laughs> You're real good at it. <laughs> uh, my starting pool before uh, armor piercing and all that is 31 soak dice. God. How do we get um, killed? <laughs> there was because, no dodge. It was a surprise. Because we got hit by magic, which soak dice don't do shit for magic. And then a big-ass sniper rifle with a lot of armor piercing right. really dents into Boomer's ability to soak up any he, amount of damage. Yeah. And he was surprised. And he was surprised, so he didn't get to dodge. So yeah. every net hit was I, more base damage. I remember rolling maybe two dice. Which a lot of times yeah. I, could, I could dodge most out of attacks because he's quick for a big guy. Yeah. Uh, also, also Agile Defender. Yeah, Agile <laughs> Defender Agile gives Defender. you a pretty good do dodge pool, too. Um, and that's it. That's all we have for questions. Thanks for sending them in. Um, yes. Yes, indeed. Uh, next Thank week you. is the bloops. Yeah. They're so good, so you guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely check out the bloops. There's some really good ones for these. These guys like to joke around. <laughs> um, and then the week after that, we start Uncharted Worlds. Yeah, check it out. Uh, even if you're a diehard Shadowrun fan, check out Uncharted Worlds. It's a really cool system, very narrative-driven, and, you know, we went to space and Shadowrun. Space, Let's just start there. Space, right? Like, space. if you loved space before. <laughs> <laughs> now just space all the time. Uh, yeah. Uh, thank you so much for listening. Uh, thank you to our Patreon supporters. Thank you to everyone who submitted questions. Thank you to people who uh, retweet us and, you know, send us messages and comment on our stuff. We love to have this interaction between everybody. Uh, stick around. Um, and uh, check out some of the other series. Uh, we look forward to continuing to entertain you guys. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening. Bye. Series two. <laughs> this podcast has been brought to you by ENPC Productions. All rights reserved. The Essential NPCs podcast is not affiliated with, endorsed, 
sponsored, or specifically approved by the Tops Company Incorporated. Shadowrun is a trademark of the Tops Company Incorporated. All rights reserved. Go to www.shadowruntabletop.com for more information.